Attention FM DJs in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep How are we gonna do this? begins we gonna... now. I don't know. Are we going to flip a coin? We should flip a coin. Okay, so you've got a quote and I've got a quote. Now, is this, now, will I recognize yours right off? I don't know. I think it's something that might be a little misconstrued out of context because you can't see exactly who is speaking. It's kind of funny. I thought it was funny. I, this, I chuckled. Is this going to be like one of those Three's Company things where if I can't see the context in which it's being used, it's going to sound incredibly no, sexual whole, and profane? No, it might sound a little sexual, but it's definitely not sexual, but it's from like a, a movie that I love. Okay, all right. So, well, let's flip a coin. Okay. So, do you want to do this Instapol style? Okay. Okay, so here's... so. Uh, right I'm not saying it's the greatest quote in all of mankind, but I love this movie, and I think a lot of other people love this movie, and it might be kind of hilarious. I'm just saying... You think that yours is hilarious, though. Well... I'm just saying, as Max Fisher would say, I'm not sweating it either. I feel like mine is okay. So, all right. So here's what we're going to do. We have decided now to begin this program with a, a, a quote. It is High Concept Thursday, but it is also, quote, face-off Thursday, which you didn't know. So we're going to now play two movie quotes back-to-back. Uh, at the conclusion of the second movie quote, you will then please to be calling 503-733-2970, and we will gauge the audience's reaction to said movie quotes. All right. Uh, so heads, I will go first. Tails, you go first. Sounds good. All right, heads, it's all me. Okay. All right, here is movie Don't quote. Don't buckle under the pressure. First, right here on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Man, what's the matter? I don't know. Maybe it's wife, kids, family life. I mean, are you, are you satisfied, Glenn? Don't you ever feel suffocated? Like, like there's something big pressing down. Yeah, I do know that feeling. And I told Dot to lose some weight, but she don't want to listen. <laughs> no, man, I know what you mean. I mean, you got all these responsibilities now. You're married, you got a kid. I mean, it looks like your whole life is set down. And where's the excitement? Yeah, Glenn, I guess that's it. Okay, that's a disease, but you got a cure. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn is here to tell you that you can heal thyself. What do I got to do? Well, you just got to broaden your mind a little bit. Like... Say if I was to ask you, what do you think about Dot? Well, she's a fine woman you got there. Okay. Now, you might not know it to look at her, but she's a hellcat. That right. T-I-G-E-R. Well, what's that got to do with uh, Now, don't rush me. The thing about Dot is, she told me this. She thinks, she thinks you're cute. And I could say the same thing about Ed. What are you talking about, Glenn? What am I talking about? I'm talking about sex, boy. What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about Lamar. I'm talking to me and daughter swingers, as in to swing. I'm talking about wife swapping. I'm talking about what they call nowadays open marriage. I'm talking about... <laughs> Keep your goddamn hands off my wife. Keep your goddamn hands off my wife. You're crazy. I pity you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't well mean to played, laugh at my Rick own Emerson. thing. The, well the, what, I couldn't get the very end, though, because the, the great part there is is that uh, is, it, as he's running away, he's I pity you. And he's right into the lamppost. He runs right into, like, a tree or something there. So, all right, you want to go play yours now? All right. All right, here is clip the second uh, from Sarah Dillon. Thank you. 
so soon? Conscious, and you talked in your sleep. Why could you get round and scratch behind my right ear? To never quite reach it. Beginning there, I didn't even until he said Calcor because it wasn't the last time I saw the never-ending story. It's true. All right, excellent. Was it you that pointed out that that's what my dog looks like? No, but I hear that that's what Muppet looks like. I can see that too. Yeah, and Max, uh, Max has got the white fur thing going on. That is fantastic. Okay, that's wonderful. I, we shouldn't even vote. Those are both genius. Oh, we should totally vote. All right, fine. I'm looking. Sarah's better. All right, great. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Why, hello. It's 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the uh, month of October and the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by making it part of your listening day. All right, we will now begin the program Instapol style. We'll just take a bank or two of calls here uh, on uh, which opening clip you found the most deeply satisfying. I will say the great thing about these clips is that, well, see, Scotty's coming down solidly on my side, but that's because um, that's because you're a big Raising Arizona fan, though. And I didn't want to hold, do the whole thing about... We can't have kids because I'm a seaman, <laughs> which was really tempting, by the way. Uh, and they offered us this—they offered us an Asian boy with his heart on the outside of his body, or whatever, whatever the hell it is he says. Maybe we shouldn't, but I think they're. Oh man, <laughs> raising Arizona. I'm not a big Coen Brothers fan, uh, and I know that that's heresy to most of my film-liking friends. But goddamn, that's a great movie, Raising Arizona. And by the way, I know so many men who are just in love with that movie. Raising Arizona is genius. And plus, it's got Holly Hunter, who is just, just adorable. Just really, she's the very definition of adorable in that film. I'm going to say this, though. The great thing about Raising Arizona this morning when I was watching it, trolling for clips, I did, uh, I don't, I won't, I won't identify uh, the commercial that plays on this station, but I did notice a stunning similarity, which I think is probably intentional, between Raising Arizona and a certain, um, Establishment that advertises on this program, wherein a man is unhappy with his my wife, exactly my wife, not his wife, his as Tim Riley says, his wife. <laughs> All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. It is the Rick Emerson radio program here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM nine seventy Solid State Radio. Uh, we will uh, go all the way around. We'll do introductions here in a second. Talk about what's coming up in the program. Give email addresses and so forth. 
Uh, but before we do anything else, we'll uh, we'll just do a little insta poll here on those uh, two movie clips there at the top. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey there. Uh, Hi. Sarah's movie quote, absolutely better. Just because not only is Never Ending Story a hilarious movie, but taken out of context, that guy being like, I love children. It's <laughs> really funny. Fantastic. Thank you. No All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. I can't even be. I, I can't even be unhappy about it. They're both. Hey, Rick. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yes, hello. How's it going? Hi. A uh, never-ending story. Obviously, I have kids, so that that's the one I like the best. So you've had to see it like 700 times, regardless. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna have to watch it again because my son's doing out. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. I was a fan of Never-ending right. Story Part Two, starring the late Jonathan Brandis. Really? Was he in that? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, yours is better. By the way, what, what was yours, Rick? Mine was uh, from Raising Arizona, sir. The fine Coen Brothers film starring Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter. That was Raising Arizona. Okay, yeah, it was Raising Arizona. Okay, well, yeah, yours is better. He's just uh-huh. so beautiful. Uh-huh. Okay, bye. All right, there you go. Scott Daly can do whole sections of that film when he comes in uh, on Friday. He, that's one of those things that you give him a line from that movie, and he can just take it and run with it. Or bear it inside. He can find no purchase. Uh, and that guy does set, like, a ground speed record for using the word semen the most time, in, like, seven uh, seconds. I think he says that about four different times. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hey, Sarah wins hands down on that one, bad boy. Uh, okay. Thank I you. almost expected that old Michael Jackson clip with the happy balls or something like that to be inserted. It was delicious. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's another sound clip that I managed to lose somewhere in my folders. i got to track it down. All right. Oh, you got to find that one. Thank you, my friend. That's right, you, ever. Yeah, I can't even be all that upset about it. We'll finish out this bank and then we'll move on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. You didn't hang up the phone if you were trying to. You're still there. Okay, thanks. There you go. Thank you. That <laughs> <laughs> was a half hang. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What the hell was that? You know, I got to tell you, I have no idea, friend. Whoa. Uh, Raising Arizona by far. All and right. he runs into a cactus. Is it a cactus? Because they're standing in um, the middle of the desert when they're talking. Yeah. And he's yeah. and he's he's and he's telling the, uh, what is it, the, the joke at the beginning in the Nicolas Cage. is just sitting there holding those flip-flops in his uh-huh. hand. What's wrong? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and the great thing about that movie is how every, and typically I don't like films of that I don't really like films of that genre where the whole humor comes from the fact that they're hicks, but i got to tell you, the great thing about Raising Arizona is that they, it's, it's that every single line is over-delivered. Every yeah, single piece of dialogue in that film is over-sold. Uh, right. Perfectly overacted. Exactly. Thank you. Best show All right. Yeah. It's, one of the only, it's like one of only three films in which Nicolas Cage does not suck, by the way. Did you like him in Face Off? No, no, I didn't. Oh, well, no, that's not that's And wasn't he in The Rock as well? Yeah, but that's a terrible word. Hi. Hello. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Don't, don't mind us. What's up? Cage. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Dude. Two more. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, yeah. Never ending story. All right. Thank you. Final call. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Got to go to Raising Arizona. All right. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, no, Face Off is not a, not a good film. It's not a terrible film. It's all worth it for the sequence when... Well, first of all, Face Off with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta is... John Woo's never really made a good American film, but it's a decent film. Although it does have that creepy sequence when it, 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 he walks in and there's the camera is doing that long, lecherous shot of 
Uh, oh, Nicolas Cage's daughter? Yeah, what is her name? She starred in the American remake of Lolita. But I forget her name. But she's like 14, I think, at the time. And checking her out and they're smoking cigarettes? It's not even that he's checking her out as the character because he's not really her father. He's, what's his name, with the, wearing the other guy's face. But the camera does this long, like the camera makes you implicit in the ogling of the underage girl because she's sitting on the bed, I believe, just in her underwear. And the camera does like the long, slow pan uh, down the the profile of her, it's it's, it's all creepy. Uh, and then and and then I saw the, the the Lolita remake with her right after that. It was all very unnerving. The other great sequence uh, in that movie is when John Travolta is talking to the daughter, and he's she's going out on a date, and he does that whole thing about well you might want to keep this handy. And then they do the slow motion unfolding of the butterfly knife. And then he then hands to her. That's the only other thing that makes that movie mm. watchable. Uh, Nicholas Cage was good in Raising Arizona. Nicholas Cage was good in um, Valley Girl. You? No, no, that's another bad movie he made. Uh, and he was good in uh, Leaving Las Vegas. Everything else he's done, you've seen that, right? Oh yes. Yeah, that's another. That's right. We have that's to do another that Requiem. A, I was just going to say we had to do that in like a double feature with Requiem for a Dream, oh, and then just hand God. out handguns at the end of it. Uh, all right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Thank you for coming by. Here's what's coming up. Later on today, my friends, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. I guess Uma Thurman's got a new stalker. So we'll celebrate that by talking to Steve uh, about that. And apparently Madonna is... I guess Madonna's about to sign some deal that's going to make her the highest-paid performer in music history. So well done, Madonna. Uh, we'll talk to Steve about all of those things, and I guess... Uh, there's some other. There's some, something's really going wrong at that Columbia University. Just every week now, there's some insane story coming out of that place. Lisa Desjardins will join us today, uh, and uh, Rachel McGrath will join us from Los Angeles to give us the latest on Britney Spears' custody battle. Uh, we'll have the top five rain songs today. Scotty J, as we speak, assembling the top five songs about rain. We will get to those as we plunge headlong into the sackcloth and ashes rainy season of Northwest uh, Northwest Portland. Uh, let's see, what else are we doing? I can't read my own writing here. Something. Well, I don't know what that is. Something else. And then it is High Concept Thursday. So we'll have uh, High Concept Thursday later on, probably in the uh, third hour of the program. Plus uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, uh, and so forth. Speaking of Tim Riley, he's working on the following stories for your edification today. Portland gets ever so close to decriminalizing small amounts of marijuana. Snowball, the deal will move to a Malala forum and not back to its loving caretaker's home. A dog saves a family from a fire started by a cat. Brittany's mom wants the court to appoint her as a monitor for the kid's visit. And there's breaking news on the story every minute. For instance, Brittany failed to show up for court today. <laughs> and bye-bye Burbank. NBC will sell its historic, beautiful downtown Burbank studio complex and move to Universal. That really is kind of depressing. You were showing me the photographs of that this morning. Yeah. And I know I've asked you this before, but you did see the Tonight Show filmed. No. Not with not. Oh, really? Okay. So that surprises me. Well, I've been on the set. Because when The Tonight Show is not being filmed, it's um, Channel 4 Eyewitness News. They move everything off that stage. Even when Carson was there? Yeah. I thought Carson would have put down some iron rule that you couldn't use it for anything else. The seats stay there, but the stage itself is used for a lot of things. Interesting. And they tear everything down. They do the same thing at a television studio in Hollywood. Excellent. You know, the greatest thing about the Carson stage, and we'll talk more about this later when we get to the uh, the story, and it really is kind of a downer, uh, because now there's officially no reason to ever go to Burbank. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the only reason. Why else would you go to Burbank? There's a Tommy's in L.A. Why would you ever ever consciously say to yourself, I need to go see a lot of tract homes? 
Uh, so now there's, I mean, I don't know when this is going to happen, but they did the they're last... Ha- no, 2011. Okay. They're going to move over. So you got like five years. Then the last remaining reason to ever go to Burbank will be gone. 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 Uh, the great thing about Carson's show uh, when he was in that studio was that little silver star that was embedded in the stage. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure what year they put that star there, but if you ever watch the old reruns of The Tonight Show, and you could only really see it during the monologue, Carson would come out... And I want to get on another one of my uh, just gushy things about Carson being the greatest who ever lived, which he was. But Carson would come out on stage, and there would be a little silver star set into one of the tiles on the stage. Uh, and he was the only person allowed to stand on it. And I think they put it on like when he got his 30th anniversary or 25th anniversary or something. And you'll notice, if you ever go back and watch the reruns with a, with a guest host, the star isn't there. And I think even when there are musical performers standing on that stage, somebody has come out and taken the star out of the floor. Because no one is allowed to stand on it but Carson, which is just badass. And the thing is, he never mentioned it. No one ever talked about it. It was never really discussed or referred to. It was just sort of known. It was known that there was this star embedded in the floor, and only the feet of Johnny Carson could touch it, which is as it ought to have been. And, and you know, that was always busy, even if you lived there. Microphone I mean, off. Microphone off. No, okay. But even if you lived there, it was nearly impossible ever to get tickets to Carson. Yeah. I, and I really do regret that I didn't just, but I was just too young. I mean, when he retired, which I guess would have been 91, um, you know, 91, I had just turned 18. Uh, and I was working at, at part-time at some third-hole radio station, and there was just no way. I mean, it, it, it would have, it, it, it would, I would have had to take days off. I would have had to have driven down in my Ford Escort, which I was holding together with duct tape and bailing wire and prayer, uh, and, and it would have t- it would cost money I didn't have. I would have had to stay in some rat hole hotel. I would have been killed, most likely. So it just, it never, I, I just, and what am I going to do now? Go see Jay Leno? And Jay Leno, who himself is on the way out, is he not? Right, so Conan O'Brien comes over. And they're they're still going to do the Tonight Show from uh, the new Universal. However, there there is one stipulation of this. They're getting Studio One at Universal, which was the original stage for the Jack Benny television program. So there's a little bit of history there too. Really? Yeah. So they are getting Studio One at Universal. So then in two years, Leno is gone, and then Conan's going to come in, and then who's taking over to the Conan the Conan O'Brien slot? Do we know? Gee, that's a good question. I haven't watched late night TV in the long. You know, time. I was just thinking about that. As we had this conversation, I realized it's not that I don't care. It's just that I have nothing. I have no personal vestment in the story anymore, uh, because. I think I had heard something about Jimmy Fallon at some point. Really? A long Fallon's time. he's a sort of a likable guy, I guess. You know, the interesting thing about this, though, the thing about late night television hosts and and your your favoritism towards one host or another, it's sort of like when you're a kid and you read Mad Magazine. And the first time you read a Mad Magazine as a child, you pick either the white spy or the black spy to root for, and then you just unfailingly root for that spy the rest of your life. I haven't read a Mad Magazine, uh, you know, for you know probably 15 years, you know, but I still root for the black spy. It's just what I do. It's just what I do because he's the guy that I picked. So it is with with David Letterman. You know, I will always say Letterman over Leno. I will always say Conan over Leno. I will always say, I mean, really, Christ, I, I would really say Joan Rivers over Leno, to be honest. But I just, I, I don't even watch late night television. I mean, it's all I can do to just, uh, you know, it's all I can do to get, to get the energy to pick up the remote. Uh, let's get these, uh, get these calls. And we're doing things kind of backward here in the open, and I got a, a little more teasing to do here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Hey, uh, well, I don't know if you already closed out the voting, but I wanted to vote for a never-ending story. Well, thanks for piling on. The voting is closed, but thanks for coming in and giving me an extra kick to the ribs with your steel-toed boots. Well, hey, no, I don't mean to be mean. Raising Arizona was great, but, you know, never-ending story was, like, a really big movie for me in, in, in my youth. I mean, like, 
I don't know, like after the movie, I had a crush on both the girl and the Treyu, and I was like, oh, I guess I'd like both. All right. Well, okay, fair enough then. All right, I thank you, sir. All, All right. right, bye now. All right. Sneak away. Yeah. Just I, I don't know, no. I like children. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Let's let's play that all the time. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? What's Rick? up? Hey, I was wondering. Uh, there's a, a really really awesome band coming from the town tonight. And I thought you and your are, you, are you a member of said band? No, I wish I was. Though. Okay. But I can't be because I'm not a robot. All right. What are they called? Captured by a robot. Oh, yeah. I've heard good things about them. Is yeah, this Captured by Robots? Am I, to, am I to guess correctly this is some sort of performance art band? Well, more or less. But uh, basically what it is, like the, the story behind it is uh, this guy was captured by these robots that forced him to play in his, his uh, punk rock band. And uh, it's like one human and the rest of them are... I mean, the, the robots actually play... Now, are these actual... So this guy's supposedly genius. Like, he, he orchestrated yeah, this genius. whole thing. Are these real robots, or are these humans in robot costumes? No, no, these are real robots that really play the instrument. All right, fair enough. That's interesting. Where are they going to be? It's at the Ash Street Pub All right. and tonight. All right, fair enough. Okay, the, the the robot gets you in under the wire there. We'll allow it. All right. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, speaking of bands, don't forget tomorrow, uh, Nickel Arcade's going to be in the studio uh, with us singing. Do they have, they have a special birthday song they've written for Sarah Jones? Oh, they don't want to sing it, though. Really? What, what the hell? Because no, they, they'll sing it. No, they, they, they want to get chicks still, and they don't want everyone to hear it. But they sent it to me, and it was very sweet and awesome. Well, if they don't play it, I'm just going to have to play it relentlessly on the air and ruin their chances with chicks regardless. So, Rick, I would not let choice, you do it. Nickel Arcade. You don't know where it is. They sent <laughs> no, it to me. I'm just fronting. Uh, let's see. Okay, let me Are they going to play the Britney Spears song live? Uh, you know, uh, they better. <laughs> That's like, that'd be, that'd be like America show. We're not going to play Horse With No Name today. I'm sorry. We're, uh, I'm not going to be playing that. I won't be playing Margaritaville tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm... All right. Uh, real quickly here, uh, and then we'll break here in a few. We have uh, Lisa Desjardins coming up. Coming, uh, we have this. We haven't had this for a long time, and this is because of yesterday's Whatever Happened To segment. Yesterday, we, we rolled out the Whatever Happened To blank on the Rick Emerson show. And because of that, I'll just read the opening here. Rick, during yesterday's show, I heard you talking about Whatever Happened To, which in turn made me think, Whatever Happened To That Office Confidential segment, which in turn made me think about my job, which in turn made me want to strangle the guy across the hall from me. So this guy... I wrote and sent us an office confidential because we jarred his memory that we used to do that segment. So we will have an office confidential today. Glorious bastard of the week right here. Uh, and clown watch. We have a really disturbing clown watch that we will get to. Uh, plus, uh, did I say glorious bastard of the week? That. Okay, I'm going to read these two emails and then we will break at the bottom of the hour here. Rick. I bet you're saying to yourself, what became of the hottest balls actress Lisa Welcher who played Blair, uh, Blair on The Facts of Life? Not only do I have an answer, I have the answer. Below is a link to her website. She's a mom and a Christian author and speaker now. She has 20 books. 20 books. Blair from The Facts of Life has written 20 books. Uh, find out about her new book, Creative Correction. Take a dream, and she, and of course, like all, like all celebrities who just go home and start cranking out these uh, books, you can take a cruise with her. You can book it. Uh, book. Uh, imagine how a mind-numbingly tedious this must be. Booking a cruise with Blair from the Facts of Life, who will then spend eight glorious days and nights with you talking about Christian parenting tips. Imagine. 
how unbelievably empty your life must be for you to consider that to like to fill the many many lonely hours. Mm-hmm. By the way, you can uh, buy a Facts of Life autographed box set from her too. Also, she looks like something the crow has pecked at. So there's there. Uh, let's see, two more. This is from yesterday. You and Sarah and your big fat ass. Thank you. Uh, Rick, did I hear Sarah say that she was looking at your ass and it's become large? Also, did I hear that Sarah was looking at you in the bathroom? It wasn't in the bathroom. No, it was when we were walking down the hall. You were walking in front of me. And says, I just happened to glance down. Yeah. It He's, was there. <laughs> there was my ass. You couldn't avoid it. Couldn't I don't avoid think it. my ass is getting any bigger, by the look. way. Uh, my ass is not getting... Because I don't gain weight in my ass, I don't believe. And I know this is probably more than you want to know, maybe. But I don't believe the ass is where I gain the uh, gain the weight. Well, it all just comes in the gut. us over from other areas. <laughs> it's no longer a muffin top. It's like a muffin back. It's a muffin top and sort of a muffin side. No, I get the gut. I get the big flabby gut. I don't typically get the... Uh, my pant size does not change. It's just the... Uh, it's just that the T-shirt starts to bend, like a Ned Funicello's uh, T-shirt, like season three of the Mickey Mouse Club, where the A and the E start to bend a little bit, except uh, this is not for a sexy reason. It's just because I'm large. So, no, Sarah and I were not in the bathroom together. Also, my ass is not expanding. No, but, but we do you. walk to the bathroom together an uncomfortable amount of time. We really do. No, I would say probably 85% of the bathroom breaks we take are taken together. Where we wa- In and, separate bathrooms. And how creepy is this? Yeah, this is in Japan. How creepy is this? No, let's stop talking about what freaks we are. No, no, no. I'm just going to say this, that you need to know this because it's fascinating, that we will go to a break. Sarah and I will leave the studio. And speaking of which, I think Tim apparates Harry Potter style into the bathroom and back because I never see Tim walking to the bathroom or back. Or is this because you're a newsman? Is he doesn't be- use the facility. I don't have bodily function. Therefore, it just comes out in some sort of powdery, powdery mist or something, <laughs> like a, or like a little, like a little pink cube or something that uh, you know, like like once a year, like you know, like Daryl Hannah. I think this is going too far. I'm just saying. We will go to the bathroom, uh, we will leave the studio, we will walk to the bathroom area, and as you may know, Sarah is a woman, and I am not. Which means that it theoretically should take longer, uh, because, you know, the, the women have more to do in the bathroom, and the, you know, men can just, you know, depending on if it's uh, how they're going, it's just sort of an unzipping okay. and whatever. And yet, no, but we always leave the bathroom at exactly the same time. So either you are really speedy, or I am incredibly slow remember when it comes to Remember we've discussed this behavior. before, when I run, yeah, I don't, I don't for the remember. bathroom breaks, yeah, I run... Final email. What's the answer? I don't know what the answer is, and I think really the only way to ascertain it is to have some sort of an unacceptable invasion of our privacy while we're urinating. Yeah, so that's a little weird. That's probably not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, Rick, final email that will break. Hey, that Miss Tall Portland who called your show was not the winner, as she claimed. I saw that too. She was the first alternate, Rick, and yet she claimed to be the winner. The real winner, so we had this woman call us the other day, and I forget how we even got onto the subject, but she was talking about, uh, we were talking about tall women, and she called up and she claimed to be Miss Tall Oregon from, I don't know, like 2003 or something. She was apparently only the first alternate. He says the real winner is Jane Baldwin of Aloha, who is now Miss Tall International. And then he signs it, first alternate, Rick, is just another way to say first loser. So there you go. That's not our opinion, by the way. That's just the opinion of a, uh, the opinion of uh, of one of our esteemed emailers. All right. Uh, and finally, this in the hallway today. There are phrases you don't really you don't really hear any context for, and you don't really understand why these phrases have been uttered. I actually wrote down two of them today. I don't know why these phrases were said. I don't know what the person was referring to. One phrase was a, don't take my West Nile virus from me. 
And then later, what? that's what I heard someone saying in the hallway, quote, don't take my West Nile virus from me, end quote. And then later on in the hallway, I heard a different person saying this in a sort of angry tone of voice. I want tater tots. I must have tater tots. And then they just slammed the door. And that was it. There you go. We'll take a break here. Back after this with Lisa Desjardins coming up later on. Steve Kastenbaum, Rachel McGrath, Tim Riley, the top five, Glorious Bastard of the Week, Office Confidential, and more. Don't go anywhere. I like children. I guess maybe I'm not being clear with my question. Can you say it? It's not a... Yeah, you've got a strange hang-up about that, and I understand no, 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 where it no, comes I from. No, I thought you were asking me if you said, like, of course you can say it. No, I, no, it's fine. Now I don't even know what we're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm saying I know that that word no, makes you uncomfortable. No, it's, it's Turbo Negro. Okay. <laughs> the average person... Turbo Negro. Okay, the average person seeing this word, this is the name of a band who are apparently huge. You said the kids love them? They're huge. They're from Finland or something? They're huge. Where are they from? They're I, from Norway, I, I think. I don't know. Which makes the name even funnier. Okay. The Muddy River Nightmare Band guys are all huge fans of theirs. The band's name is spelled T-U-R-B-O-N-E-G-R-O. I am pretty sure that 100 out of 100 people pulled off the street randomly would pronounce that Turbo Negro. I am simply making the linguistic observation. Now, if you tell me, this is like William Shatner going, you say sabotage. No, I'm doing it backward. But you say sabotage. I say sabotage. Please don't correct me. It sickens me. If you tell me that it's... Yeah, they are from Norway. Turbo Negro, which to me sounds even more awkward. They're playing tomorrow. And let me ask you this. While we're on the subject of this band's name that's making me feel all weird, is just that name... Like, is that an actual word? T-U-R-B-O-N-E-G-R-O. Is it, is it one word, do you think, that it just happens to be made up of two words that we would use in America? You're not know. even listening. You've no, checked I out of this entire no, I'm conversation. Trying to look. Are you Googling it right now? Yeah, I was trying all to look right. for it. I have no idea. All right. All I know is that I have a bunch of friends who are going to that show who all bought their tickets like six months ago. Well, this guy, the guy, some guy emailed in and he was, all, uh, he was all annoyed that we were talking about the robot band. He said, Rick, captured by robots is awesome. However, Friday's performance by Norway's best band ever, Turbo Negro, will be the rock show of the year, punishing all others. And then he compares it to... Judas Priest meets Iggy Pop and something or other, blah blah blah. Anyway, he, he claims it will uh, he claims it will beat your ass. So if you'd like it's to have called your, death punk. If you okay, if you'd like to have your ass beaten by Turbo Negro, and who wouldn't? I ask you. Then I would strongly encourage you to go see them wherever they might be. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Whoever this is. No, it's not Lisa. This is just. Oh, a, hi. Oh, hey Rick, did you ride your bike today? Yes, I did. You bastard. Okay. Yeah, you were going to taunt me. Yeah, you can take your your taunt wagon and go home in it. Okay, well, I'll give you something funny then. All right. The sound of of the dragon saying, I like children, Uh followed by the sound he makes when he's getting scratched behind the ear. Yes. That's going to be priceless, dude. That's going to be priceless. Oh, I see. So you want us to edit it so he says, I like children, and then immediately just begins groaning. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. Bye now. All right, there you go. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Scotty J, I do believe that we're supposed to be talking with uh, Lisa Desjardins. Let me look. Oh, I believe 12 minutes ago. Let's let's check. What time is it now, 12 Sarah? minutes ago. It's 11.38. It's 11.38. Yeah, that'll be eight minutes ago. I'm sorry. At 11.30, uh, we were supposed to have uh, have speaks with... Uh, with uh, uh, Lisa. So if you want to just look into that, that'll be fine. Uh, we And if you, if you talk to CNN about it, it may give us a little bit of a... 
Who's he? What's it? Because we're going to run into Casting Bomb here. It's coming up at like 11.50. So, all right. Are you telling me, and I don't mean to harp on this, but are you telling me that the Nickel Arcade guys wrote you, wrote and recorded a Sarah birthday song, which they will then refuse to perform on the air? I'm telling you that. Now, yeah, why is this? To me. I don't, here, I'll find the email. Hang on. Is it, and you're, but you, their justification, again, I'm, you know, it's their right as a band, I suppose, to dictate when and where the material is performed. I'm just trying to figure out exactly the underlying. Because they sent it to me, and then two hours later, I got this don't um, play it. email that said, P.S., and of course, now, my, um, please don't play that on the air, for we would feel like total tools, and if we feel like tools, how are we supposed to get chicks? Now, how are they, now, why would they feel like, oh, so it's not because, it's not because they want to look available. I thought that was the implication when you described no, it earlier. No, it's a slower, it's like a really sweet, nice song. Oh, I see. They want to look hard. Yeah. <laughs> they want to lose their they don't want to lose their street cred. It's adorable. Okay. It's fantastic. Uh okay. they are they are kind of and I hate to say this, I don't mean to sound like I'm busting them, but they really are like the cuddliest rock band we've met in a long time. I know. <laughs> and I know how incredibly gay I'm, that makes me sound. They're playing on Sunday, I'm still going to see them. <laughs> you know what you want to do with the Nickel Arcade guys? You want to kind of get them in a headlock and kind of go, Oh, give them a little noogie. Noogies. Just kinda of give them a little rock and roll noogie. You can do that tomorrow, Rick Emerson. Can I please? All right. Uh, why? Hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Well, that's good because it interrupts the train of thought that I was on, and that's probably not a train of thought we wanted to go down. So uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show from the hill. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Desjardins. Hi there. Hey there, guys. What's up with you? Not much. Not much. I was uh, I was I was in deep thought, and I missed this call. I'm sorry. You but... will. Uh, you are dead to us. You're not really dead, but you're sort of wounded. You, you're like you're missing a leg, and maybe. Uh, you know, sort of, uh, sort of Holy Grail style. Sort of, bi- so I can, I can go with the whole Bionic Woman to name a news show on the, NBC. The Bionic Newswoman. The Bionic Newswoman. I think I like that plan. Have you heard that they're calling it Bionic Wednesday? No, they're not. Are they really? They really are, and that's a truly, oh, oh. a truly stupid and ill-advised positioning statement yeah, for that network. Yeah, really, that's a bad, bad plan. Because you know, I'm. I, I want this show to work, and I'm, I'm still on the fence about it. I haven't watched it. I'm not going to be watching it. You can't make me watch it. Okay. Is it? I mean, it can't. Is it, I mean, is it good? I thought the I thought the uh, the pilot was good. Uh, last night was was up and down. I think it's got some good elements. I like the main actress. Let me ask you this. Yeah. If I was to describe the new Bionic Woman show as Alias with a cyborg, would I be wrong? That's what they were going for, but I don't think it is that. No. Is 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 it just not up to that snuff? Well, you know, it's just they don't have they don't they don't have the characters developed quite enough yet, and they they want you to question everybody's motivation, but I don't I don't think they are I don't I don't know I'm not scared of it, of anybody as much as they need me to be. Uh, and, and I will also say this that I have been a little spoiled because I've recently been getting up to uh, catching up with a lot of television programs, and I've been watching about the new Battlestar Galactica, and I am about halfway through the third season. I'm taking a break to watch the second season of The West Wing, sort of to cleanse my palate, like some sort of a, <laughs> right. some sort of Sorkin sorbet but i have in the space of about three weeks i've watched the first two and a half seasons of battlestar galactica and i gotta tell you the battlestar galactica guys really did it correctly because what they did is when they launched the new program they didn't just dive right in uh with a pilot what they did is they aired a mini series they aired uh i forget how long it was i believe it was it was something like three hours long but it was like they got three three and a half hour long mini series which also functioned well, two things. A, as a sort of um, 
you know, sort of a test balloon, a canary in the coal mine to see if it was if it was <laughs> right. if it was going to work to do it as a show. What's it got? Right. And then it also worked as a and is an elongated pilot to establish the characters and get you up to speed, so the yeah, show didn't seem stuff. so. Right. They packed a lot. I, I do want the Bionic Woman to work, I, and it's but they, it seems like they're having a hard time between that kind of alias edge and really the the kind of hokey thing that was going on in the original Bionic Woman, where where she did kind of end up you know babysitting the ambassador's teenage daughter and did they did they not at one point have a bionic baby she and steve austin Ooh, that i don't know i know max was the bionic dog the bionic baby i don't remember i, I thought it, i thought there was sort of a the show ended and it was actually a reunion episode where they got married a bionic dog god damn we live in a stupid country the bionic dog Jesus. Was fantastic yeah. all right uh, well, anyway, there's no way to segue into this without just having the clanking of many radio gears. So we're just going to. NBC has done very well getting hot women in its show re- in its shows recently. Well, but here's the thing: hot women are not enough to make a uh, not enough to make a television <laughs> program. If they were, I would be watching all of those bad reality programs uh, that, that, that the yeah, VH1 keeps pumping out. But I will say that the, the, the problem. See, now I'm just going to give into it. Here's the thing. About, here's the thing about modern. <laughs> hey, television. I'm pulling you, pulling you. I my wife is on the receiving end of this long monologue from me last night, of which she must surely be tired after 10 years of being with me. This long monologue about television and living in what I was calling the post-Sorkin era, and which is the post-West Wing era, really, to be more specific. Right. Yes, that's true. Which is that post-West Wing, there's two things. A, everything is supposed to be edgy and dark, and that's all sort of the, we can also thank The Shield and The Sopranos for that. Mm. That sort of edginess is, is the new, you know, black, the new whatever. Everything is supposed to be sort of dark and bleak and grim, which is fine, but it's usually done badly. Also okay. this, have you noticed this uh, with television programs and specifically hour-long dramas that in lieu of actual like uh, good writing and sort of decent character development and carefully structured plots, they just light everything really dimly and the shows are really dark looking? I mean, literally, in terms of the illumination of the set, things are just really dark. Uh, television programs, you go back and watch something from 20 years ago, even a hardcore drama on television, like St. Elsewhere, Hill Street Blues, every set brightly lit, lots of light everywhere. Now, and it started with The West Wing. I'll lay that right on Thomas Schlamme, who directed The West Wing. You go back, and it's like there was some power outage in, on Pennsylvania Avenue. It, 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 <laughs> the entire White House had to be lit with one bulb that was stuck in a closet somewhere. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you know, I I would argue that that goes back to even uh, before uh, you know homicide life on the streets or what have you. But I would say it goes back to Tim Burton. Maybe and yeah. The movies, and uh, I think it, it flowed out of that. I can see that. I can see that. Speaking but, of, which, but I will say I I am a fan of Friday Night Lights, and I'm I'm very happy for that. I love that show. I am a big fan of that show. Have you read the book upon which the movie and series were based? No, and I need to. It's on my list. You really, really must read, and I will not go on and on about it. I'll make. I'll I say that. I recommended it. I need, oh. I need to get it. H. G. Bissinger, and then the movie, of course, is just as it's just a cliche, but the movie is just like one chapter from the book because the book is so sprawling. But um, mm. great show. Great movie, fantastic book, a book that, as they say, has really stayed with me. It is. Um, wow, I, that's great. I won't say that I regret reading Friday Night Lights because I don't, but it is a book that haunted me. It really is a haunting book, and people, mm. even if people don't care about football, I don't care about football, and it's a fantastic wow. read. It is. It's more a sociological book about life in a really small, dirt poor town, and they just sort of use football as a microcosm of the whole thing. But that's in, well, wait, wait, though, you really don't care about football, like not at all. Do you, you don't like football at all. I don't. I'm just. I'm just 
just not much of a sports fan, and I know that makes me a bad American and a bad uh, possessor. I was thinking I, about this, but I'd never directly uh, really talked to you about it. I no, had the, a feeling. The only sport that I ever really follow, and it, not as much as I did when I was a kid. When I was growing up, I would sort of ca- I sort of casually followed boxing, but that was about it. Uh, and I don't. But in terms like baseball, the only time I ever really was into a sport, and it was for about one year, is when I lived in Salt Lake City, uh, and it was the last year that Jordan was playing. And there was this there, there was this hope in Salt Lake that the Jazz were going to go all the way and they were going to win the championship. And so for that one year, I threw myself wholeheartedly, uh, you know, into whoever could beat the Jazz, uh, just because I wanted to see them suffer, <laughs> because I disliked Utah so intensely. So I was a basket. I was an NBA fan for literally one season, just in time to see Jordan completely, uh, just completely own the Jazz and crush them under his heel. Mm-hmm. And then I quit being a fan again. But I am. I am just not a sports fan. I'm just too much of a. I'm just. A, I am in many ways just a classic friendless geek. I you think, are a way. pop culture man. You are I a man of the pop culture. That really, that is my sport. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I guess we should talk about something. All I'll say is this: is this seems to be the same sort of uh, surveillance-based land war that keeps going on, where the Democrats keep trying to mm. to scale back wire tra- taps, and then the White House keeps insisting that we need them. And I just assume that everything I do is being monitored by somebody like in a basement somewhere anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, although we, it's nicer here in America where we have uh, more high-tech equipment as opposed to in Syria where I actually was hearing kind of like clicks on my phone. Of course, <laughs> you know, it, it, may, it may have just been the phone line, but it... That was Linda, it was Linda Tripp. Right, it was probably could have been Linda Tripp. Exactly. Yeah, this is going to be a very serious battle, and we'll so far, when the president and this Democratic Congress have gone head-to-head, Congress has backed down. Right now, Congress is making noises, Nancy Pelosi and definitely Harry Reid. Harry Reid is saying that they're not going to compromise, that they are going to, they're going to push forward with this expansion um, of S-chip is one thing, and they're also saying that they, they are not going to accept these wide powers that they gave the president uh, sort of when they were under deadline earlier this year. So it, it is going to be another face-off, and, and it's going to be another real test of Democrats will uh, do their actions, match their words that kind of thing. But, you know, there's another story in Washington that I think uh, we should touch on just a little bit that, that is very complicated, and it would be so easy for people to just click uh, onto the next channel. But I think it's an interesting story to watch. It has to do with Turkey and Armenia. Have you been following this genocide resolution okay. going, going on in Congress? Here, I have to start this with a confession. And here, okay. the confession is this. The confession is that uh, one of the good friends... No? no, 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 that's not, it's not true at all, actually. It's, okay, good. Uh, one of the good friends of our show... Uh, is a woman of Armenian descent, as they say. Okay. Uh, and she emailed me a while back, and she's like, can you please ask the then Lisa Goddard uh, about uh, this genocide resolution about about Armenia? She said, can you please pass this along? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. And then I put it on my things-to-do list, and I just completely spaced it. I forgot about it. How about it? And I forgot about it until, it came, until Tim Riley, our news director, brought it up yesterday. And I said, oh, I was supposed to ask Lisa about that. So the... The deal is that we got to just got to keep Turkey on our side, right? This is what we're meant to talk about, exactly. The deal is Turkey is a very important ally to the United States, especially right now. Uh, not, it, and it, it is in general. It will be for the next few generations because of where it is in the world. Right there in the Middle East, it's the only uh, democracy generally in that area, the only uh, uh, nation, Islamic nation, that is a democracy. And so 
it's important for that reason, but it's also very important right now because it is a prime staging area, a prime supply route for the U.S. into Iraq. The bottom corner of Turkey uh, shares a, a rather small border, but it's large enough to use uh, with the north of Iraq, with, with Kurdish land right. in Iraq. So it's very critical. Now, back around the beginning of World War I, around 1915, there were mass killings. I mean, just, just the slaughter of Armenians in that part of the world. It was then the Ottoman Empire. Uh, but there has been a move for decades uh, to to get Congress and other legislatures around the world but to get Congress to recognize that mass killing as a genocide. The Turks have always said that it was not a genocide and that, in fact, they say there were Turks who were killed at that time, too, that there were um, invading Russian troops and that there was a bloody time and that many different groups of people were killed. How, however, you can, we can get into the nitty-gritty. However, the, the U.S. ambassador to that region at the time had sent notes saying that he right. uh, was getting wind of plots to kill Armenians by the leaders of the empire. So there's, there, is, there are historic documents pointing to um, a, a plan uh, to wipe out Armenians, and Hitler even made reference to this later on, apparently. So th there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of history there to go back and forth, but it is a very touchy debate, right. and in fact so touchy in Turkey that I think uh, one of their Nobel Prize winning uh, I think I think he was a author actually uh, mentioned this in a speech and and was then uh, taken in for questioning because he he mentioned the idea that he thought this was genocide. So rather and I, and I hate that I hate so to sound anyways, like I'm stepping on you. So right, cutting the chase, Congress now we have two committees who have passed this resolution now saying labeling the deaths of these Armenians as genocide. Turkey has said if you move forward with this resolution resolution there will be consequences and today Turkey decided to pull its ambassador out of the U.S. for at least a week. It's really a protest move. It's really symbolic. But it's saying we are going to react if you pass this resolution. Your two committees passed it. We're pulling our ambassador for a week. Your whole Congress passes it. Why don't you see what happens? So and and what and so I am going to make a note to myself to, to bring this up again at some point as things progress here, just because I don't want to and I don't want to kind of gloss over it. So no, and I'm sorry to bring it up so late in the yeah in the segment. That's okay, and I am we're going to have to kind of bring the curtain in here. So we got Steve ringing sure. in on the other sure. line here. So uh, are you on tomorrow? I am. All right, we will talk to you then tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day, Lisa. Thank you. There you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. All right, fantastic. Okay, there's really no way to abruptly end a genocide conversation. You can't really go yeah genocide schmenocide. I I got to talk about Uma Thurman, <laughs> which is really which is that really actually is kind yeah. of is what's happening here. It, not that I have to talk about Uma Thurman, but I don't want Steve to think that we're uh, that we're ignoring him. So uh, all right, and I think that's Steve right there. Oh, and then uh, Peter from Nickel Arcade is on the line. Okay, oh. well that'll be awkward. All right, uh, la oh, where the hell is my uh, ladies and gentlemen? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent, man about town, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey. I'm sorry about the uh, sorry about the delay there, Lisa. As I uh, was mentioning on the air, Lisa uh, was on the phone with us talking about genocide, uh -huh. and it was just so hard for me to go. Yeah, I know we got this genocide thing, but there's this Uma Thurman story that I really like to be talking about. <laughs> so we got to go. So it's uh, it's kind of a busy day already. What with the genocide and the Uma Thurman. Um, Let's stop down now because there was a couple of things you were talking about, and I know that when Scotty was talking to CNN, they threw a couple other things at him that are developing. So I'm just going to take these in no particular order. Okay, sure. I will play word association. I will throw you a word, and you can just tell me what's happening with it. And A, Madonna, go. 
Madonna has not renewed her contract with Warner Entertainment, you know, Warner Warner Brothers Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, big, big deal. She actually signed a $120 million deal with a, a, a live entertainment promotion company, basically, you know, the guys who set up world tours. Right. And Warner would not um, renew the contract. That would not uh, match the offer, actually. And it's a, it's a really big deal in the music industry because it is considered the beginning of the end for record companies as far as their relationships are concerned with these large artists. Can I just tell you this, and you probably are well aware of this, but so Madonna today, uh, so she made this announcement, and two days ago, um, Trent Reznor, still a powerful force in the in the entertainment industry, Trent Reznor announced that he is uh, no longer with a record company. For the first time in 18 years, he will be, as he put it, releasing uh, Nine Inch Nails stuff himself. Right. Uh, he will not be with a record label. This, of course, follows the Radiohead thing, the Jamiroquai, Oasis, all in the space of like 10 days. Yeah, and, and this is just really reflective of the way... Uh, Americans get their music now. They don't go out and buy albums anymore. They they download everything online. So uh, it enables artists who have uh, a big enough operation behind them, people with big names, to go ahead and just do it themselves. Well, yeah, because what? I mean, really, honestly, and I'm trying to be flip. What does Madonna need a record company for at this point? You're right. I mean. You know, I will acknowledge that record companies are, you know what record companies are? Record companies are important uh, for smaller bands for marketing purposes. They are, and I was talking to uh, an editor from Spin Magazine about this today, and the question is, will they still be there for the small artists now? Because uh, are, are, are those smaller artists going to try and go out, go out, go at it on their own and sacrifice uh, quantity for... Um, a bigger share of of the profit, essentially. You know, Prince did it. You know, years right. years and years ago, he was one of the first people to do this and try and break out on his own. And he so sold many fewer albums as a result. But he took in the entire profit. That's the thing. You know what it's like? I remember seeing Rick Moranis interviewed on Leno one time. Uh, I think it was Leno at that point. And Rick Moranis had done Ghostbusters, and then he had done Honey I Shrunk the Kids. And they said, uh, they said, hey, so did you get, you know, did you get a big piece of Ghostbusters? And he said, no, 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 I got a real tiny piece of Ghostbusters. He said, but I got a big piece of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> and that was sort of emblematic of the whole thing. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, much lower grossing film, but he got a huge chunk of it. And right. he, his whole point is he would rather have 80% of, of something small than 1% of something big. Right. And the truth is, right now, the way the mu- music industry is, you don't make money uh, off of selling songs. Uh, even if you're doing individual downloads or, or selling an entire album, you really don't make money off of that. The money is made on touring and yep. merchandising. Absolutely. Right. So it's, you know, you, you can't just be a good musician anymore and have, you know, and be talented. Now you've got to be a full marketing, uh, you know, got to got to have the full court press on as far as marketing is concerned. So it's it's interesting because... You know these these new younger bands. They they're going to have to learn how to be good businessmen. They can't just write the songs and perform. They actually have to run a business. Well, it's going to be a little Darwinian as we uh, go on. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Uma Thurman being stalked. Go. Yeah, uh, the creep who had been terrorizing her uh, has been busted. Uh, she she's been followed for a long time by this guy Jack Jordan, 35 year old from California. He believed that he quote loved. The quote "kill be star." <laughs> Ever since uh, he started stalking her two years ago, uh, he left a letter at her Manhattan apartment that contained a bone-chilling threat. Uh, it said, uh, "Quote," and I'm quoting here from his note. I didn't write this. I feel afraid that if I see you out again with another man, I will want to kill myself. Maybe even after we meet, 
he wrote in this missive letter. Well, that's unnerving. Yeah, that, that's uh, what I'm getting here in the wire copy. So, so the guy's been arrested. She's pretty happy about this. Uh, he's going to appear in court. Uh, well, he uh, may have already actually gone before the judge on aggravated harassment uh, and coercion charges. And he was uh, being held on $10,000 bail. Excellent. And finally, and this is just a real brief observation, there's this story where George Clooney's medical information got passed around apparently by some people who work at the hospital. But how great is George Clooney at doing that movie star yet a man of the people kind of a thing? Because his statement said something like, he's like, well, it's unfortunate that my medical records got passed around by everybody, but I really don't want to see anybody lose their job over this. And he specifically said, I was hoping that this could be resolved without having any medical uh, medical." Um, what, did he, what was the terminology he used? Medical staff or something like yeah. that have to have to be suspended. He's just he's such a, he works so hard, or maybe it just comes naturally, just being that average average guy who's in touch with the common man. But you gotta you gotta understand where uh, where where the folks at this hospital were coming from. They're in, they're in North Bergen, New Jersey, right? Uh, right, which is a, a suburb of New York. But even so, they probably don't get notable uh, people in their emergency rooms very often, if at all. So, of course, you know, George oh, Clooney comes in. Everybody's sure. on the night shift, must have come running down. Oh, man. Look at his record. I used, to, uh, I used to know a girl who worked at a major airline, and she would send me emails every time she booked a flight for somebody famous. <laughs> she would email me, she's like, hey, guess where Brad Pitt's going today? You know, so, because uh, she was able to access all the records. And so anytime she would, she would see a booking for some celebrity taking a flight, she'd email me. She's like, hey, guess, would you like to know where Ben Kingsley's going to be flying to this morning? So. And, you know, the, there are two places that are, are the great equalizers for uh, for really famous people. It's the hospital, emergency room, and the airplane. You know, Absolutely. You, yeah, you're just there with everybody. All right, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. You on tomorrow? Uh, yes, I will be. All right. We will uh, undoubtedly speak with you on Friday. Uh, have a great day, sir. Thanks a lot. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. <sighs> Who feels frazzled? All right. Full frazzled. My, my. What a busy day. Should we talk to Peter here and then take a break? Yeah. All right. Welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show from Nickel Arcade. Uh, good friend Peter. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hi. So, Pizza. so you are you are here. Let me guess. Let me uh, let me see if I can just take a guess as to why you're here. You are Maybe here because to. You called him a pansy. I didn't call him a pansy. That word never left my mind. I'm just saying, as I understand it, uh, you all uh, in Nickel Arcade uh, wrote and recorded a birthday song for Sarah Dillon, which is a wonderful thing to do, uh, and then stipulated that she couldn't play it or have it performed for her ever. Here's the deal. Uh huh. It has nothing to do with with street cred or trying to look like tough dudes because let's face it, we did, did you see how small our arms are? Yes, yeah, no, I did. I, okay, uh, no, basically we just didn't want to seem like jerks because we didn't want it to seem like the only reason we were writing it is so she would play it on the air. We wanted it to be a gift for her. Oh no, you know here's the thing. You, you Aww, first of all, that's even sweeter. Oh, Come on, quit, quit, I love these guys. Boy, could could he be more shameless? First of all, totally. quit trying to suck up to Sarah. Secondly. I, we, you have to know on this program, th there's nothing we respect more than shameless whoring, my friend. I mean, really, have you, have, you, have you ever heard us when we have something to promote? Have you ever heard us when a listener party's going to be happening? You can't go 15 seconds without us demanding that people or go there. Or MySpace bulletin. Seriously, you tell everybody you know! So, no, we, there's nothing to be, we are uh, fans of shamelessness, sir. Well, let me, let me put it to you like this. If you want to play it, go ahead and play it. I'm just saying, we really just didn't want it to seem like... Hey, you know, oh, hey, here's the song. Play it now. You know what you're doing right now? You're doing the passive soft sell. <laughs> That's totally what you're doing. See, this allows you to keep your street cred while at the same time getting the song played because you're now on the, on the air going, look, I mean, I don't really care if you played or not. I did it for the art, 
And uh, I did it because, I mean, frankly, Rick. I really just thought that they just didn't want it on the air because it's like a nice, like, quieter, like, sweet you've song. Com- completely got the, uh, the, you've completely got the Russell Hammond thing going. Well, you know, really, I just record this because I love music. And, uh, you know, even if I wasn't, uh, you know, making a lot of money or anything, you know, if I was just playing to one person, you know, and that one person really loved art and loved music, that's really what it's all about for me. It's uh, If I can make one person feel about music the way that <laughs> music has made me feel, that's what I'm saying. You know what? You know what? I'll sell my private jet. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friends. We'll see you in studio tomorrow. I'm excited. All right, there you go. Peter from Nickel Arcade. Excellent. All right, there. Well, I'll leave it up to you. I'll let you decide whether you want to play it or not. Okay, well, we'll play it now because sure. we're almost late for the news hour. But let you all today. All right. Shall we take a break? We should. All right, break we here. Shall. Tim Riley uh, after this at the Ministry of Truth. It's 503-733-2970. The new news hour kicks off next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, Rick, I teach the future kids of America, but today I took the day off to drink heavily and listen to your program. It is the best show ever. I am heading now to the store for more booze. It's on Jim. Thank you, Jim. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. All right, I got some breaking Britney news here. Oh, wait, hold on. I wasn't prepared. Hold on. Are we ready? Ladies and gentlemen, here's your Britney watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Yes, it's hard to imagine how bands will market themselves in the future without the assistance of record companies. Well, Britney Spears will not get sleepovers with her kids, at least for now. L.A. County Commissioner Scott Gordon did not rule on Spears' request. Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Did not rule on Spears' request to give her overnight visitation with her boys. Currently, she has monitored daytime visitation. She'd like the monitor to be her... Mom. Uh-huh. Yeah, that seems like a great idea. But Commissioner Gordon made no ruling on that either. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll quit laughing at that. Uh, the commissioner is inclined not to grant Britt's request. As to why Britney was a no-show in court today, she didn't show up. Her lawyer said it's because TMZ broke the story last night. She was planning to attend the hearing, but she didn't want the hassle of waiting through media at the courthouse. No, of course not, because if she waits, the paparazzi will just leave her alone. That's usually how it works. Meanwhile, Internet leaks appear to be forcing Britney's new album to hit shelves sooner than expected. Uh, Britney's Blackout album will be released on October 30th instead of November 13th. The label acknowledges that unfinished material and demos have been cropping up on the Internet. 
Due to these numerous unauthorized online links, the label is doing everything possible to prevent and avoid any further illegal distribution of songs. It does make you wonder if we've seen the last uh, of the uh, label-manufactured stars like this. Mm-hmm. If they're just going to have... because. It, 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 has there been, let me ask you all this, we keep in touch with pop culture on this program, since the rise and fall of all the teen pop stars, has there been another uh, label-created music sensation? Because I can't think of one, and that's almost ten years ago. I mean, yeah, there's been, hit, there been big hits. I mean, yeah. there have been songs that were hits, and there have been teen pop songs that were big. There's no doubt about it. But there haven't been anybody that was a pop culture sensation since... Uh, the, the heyday of, of Britney Spears, and that was like 99 or so. Mm-hmm. So I think that, the, I wonder if we're no, reaching... can't do it anymore. No, because you, because the, I think the day, it's like how television networks no longer have a 40 share just by dint of the fact that there's three channels to watch. And, and let's face it, TMZ is the new People magazine. Exactly. That's, I mean, it really is, what is that, uh, what is that thing that Jack Kennedy used to say about how the, the Chinese, the Chinese character for change is made out of two symbols, one for danger, the other for opportunity. I'm doing Diamond Joe Quimby. Um, but that's, that's, we are living in the, uh, in the, as said in the Chinese proverb, we are living in the interesting times. Because um, I think that the time when the record labels have that audience under their thumb and are therefore able to dictate uh, what children have marketed to them, I think that time has passed. So, anyway, so there you go. So, Britney's album is out early, I guess, if you want. Yep. And uh, let's see the video for the single Give Me More. It debuted this week on MTV's TRL. The premiere came after an unedited version of the clip turned up on the internet video sharing website, the YouTube. Which we were watching like 10 days ago. So, I mean, it was already. It's that. Think about that, though. It's, everything's all YouTube and TMZ. Think about. They chart the course of America. How, but, I mean, and, and realize this. Here, how about this? This will bake your noodle. Think about the fact Take that by, by, the, by the time. Where would we be without the, without the Matrix to quote? Did you know Will Smith passed on that movie to make Wild Wild West? Who would have known? <laughs> Do you want to be in the highest grossing trilogy since Star Wars? No, I'm going to be in this giant mechanical spider film. Um, think about this, though. This will kind of bend your brain a little bit. That by the time that Britney Spears video was officially released, we had already seen it and were sick of it. I mean, we had already seen it and watched it so many times on YouTube because I wanted that, you know, because I was in it. I like the song, I really do. But and I want you, know, we were curious about the video and whether it was just made out of scrap footage because it looks like she's out of it. And in my opinion, she seems a little high on something in large sections of that video. So by the time the video was officially released, we had already seen it, watched it, learned it, gotten sick of it, and moved on to something else. And it's just now actually coming out. I mean, that's weird. That is like some time warping stuff happening there. All right. Is uh, do we have more Britney stuff? That's it for now. Uh, for now, more breaking Britney news. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Britney's lawyers will speak to the press shortly. Oh, fantastic. Please tell me it'll be live. Oh, update. Britney's lawyers have no comment after all. Oh. <laughs> and we're done. Britney, watch. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So the question is, should we begin to trust X-17 as much as we trust TMZ? Well, I don't know. What, where are they on the credibility scale? I have no idea because I don't I really mean, know. They are today's pop culture magazines, after all. Was there ever any definitive 
analysis of whether that Britney Spears photo of her dropping off the kids as we just descend deeper and deeper into the sewer of just pop culture inanity. I think inanity. is the in touch to um, TMZ's Us Weekly. Hey, look at that. Oh, I like that. Okay, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would say this also, if you want to take the analogy another way. I would say that maybe TMZ is the globe. I'm sorry. Uh, X-17 is the globe to TMZ's National Enquirer. Because the Enquirer, as we always point out, is a very reputable paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the least sued major uh, major distribution publication in America. Uh, and so, and TMZ, I don't recall TMZ, for example, ever being flat out wrong about anything. Maybe it's happened. They might have. Cause I like, think they were when they first started up. I remember they weren't as reputable. Really? Mm-hmm. So they've gotten more so? Because I know that Perez Hilton from time to time has had to take stuff down. Just the stuff that he like flat out made up. Drudge has had to do that from time to time. That thing about the... I forget his Perez name. Perez never admitted that he was talking about Castro. No, because he's, you know, he's just... A, that's the one I'm thinking of right there. Where Castro's dead. And then... And, and the funny thing was, for a moment... The regular mass media took him seriously. Yes, yes, they did. And it was actually a news story without them admitting what the source was. The thing is, it's it is so easy to fool the mass media these days. And I and I don't know whether to lump us into that into the fooling part or into the fooled part. But the mass media are so desperate. And when I say mass media, I mean uh, what Rush Limbaugh refers to as the the powers that were the the sort of old media. They are so desperate to be cutting edge and to have breaking news that they will just. You know, fact-checking, second source, bah, they'll just grab it and just run with it now based upon, you know, some fat bastard like Perez Hilton, just, Castro's dead, and just sticking it up there, and then everybody runs with it. I mean, even Drudge, even Matt Drudge said, you know, speculation may not be true. Sources say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't flat out say it was true the way I believe Perez Hilton did. So... Here's it. Here, this is indicative of the whole thing here, by the way. Scotty came. To, uh, it's come to me today. We I was standing in the kitchen, and Scotty comes up and he points because the Oregonian sits on that kitchen table every morning. Oh, they, by the way, I am on the trail of the New York Times. I'm oh, gonna I'm going to get that taken care of. Oh, thank you. Um, I inadvertently signed him for a gift subscription, which I then think lapsed. So, well, I, that was a nice gift anyway. It's my it. So it's, it was the gift that stopped giving almost immediately. So I will, uh, I'll get on the trail of that. But no, it's not a problem. So I'm in the kitchen this morning, and Scotty points at the Oregonian, and the Oregonian had this front page story today about, God, what was it, Scotty? What was the article you pointed out in the front of the Oregonian? Uh, I guess their articles are very memorable. Well, it's something, and it's something. Oh yeah, about about the Google Maps thing in Portland. We talked about that yesterday. That's exactly my point. Scotty's like, you know, the Oregonian is stealing from you. Like, you talked about this yesterday. And right next to that was something else that we talked about like two days ago. And clearly, it's not that the Oregonian is stealing from us. It's just that news happens so quickly that just as I was saying, just as the Britney video comes out, is seen, and is forgotten by the time it's officially released, by the time the Oregonian is talking about something, yes, yeah, Snowball the Deer is another one, by the time they actually report the story, we have already reported it and moved on to something else. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think in the race to be more and more cutting edge, they take more and more things from places like TMZ and X-17. TMZ, I think, is the gold standard right now. I would say that Perez Hilton is near the bottom. I would say X-17 is sort of unknown because we never did determine the veracity of those Britney photos, although they did have on X-17 that uh, video of Britney at the Carl's Jr. drive through and at one point filmed from the perspective of the person serving her at the drive through window, which is a little weird, which indicates to me that they just pay off whoever they have to to get access, which is, you know, sort of great. So, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Short answer is I don't really know. There's somewhere in the middle, I guess. Well, Madonna is switching concert promoters, according to the Wall Street Journal. She is close to leaving Warner Brothers for Live Nation. This is a proposal of a 10-year deal 
worth $120 million and would give Live Nation album tours and image rights. She's been with Ornish for 25 years. Can you imagine that? 25 years. She's nearly 50 years old and among nine artists or groups up for consideration for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Five finalists will be announced in January. So uh, that's that. Well, you know who, and you know who Live Nation is. Live Nation is <coughs> their channel. <coughs> so I think I do believe they are the promotional arm of the Clear Channel behemoth. Wow, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's who that is. Um, speaking of which, it was like a weird little culture moment when I was uh, when I was in the UK and I saw CBS Radio billboards everywhere, and then also Clear Channel billboards actually, but they were everywhere, which is sort of just the tentacles of the broadcasting industry reach far into the uh, the net. Well, I think Clear Earth. Channel owns a piece of their independent radio stations, the commercial ones. Is that true? Yeah. All right. So Madonna, what, did she say why she's leaving, or is it just because? She doesn't say. All right. She's well, not really saying herself. I, but uh, but as I was just talking to Castamom about this, I don't understand why she needs a record label. I mean, Madonna is arguably, I would say at this point, she's still the biggest female musician on earth. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, I can't think of any. Not you know, Britney is certainly not bigger than Madonna, despite what you know, despite what Britney would have her believe, or despite what Britney's handlers would have you believe. Uh, there's really nobody else. Mariah Carey, no. Um, I can't think of anybody. So I think Madonna is still the, uh, arguably the biggest female musician on earth, probably in history, but certainly mm-hmm. now. Um, so she could easily do what Radiohead is doing, which is just to pimp her stuff via, you know, Madonna.com or whatever the hell it is, and then she just take 100% of it. And I would imagine as she became more powerful in the 80s and 90s, she must have done the Garth Brooks thing. Uh, and he'll be the next to do this, by the way. You mark my words. Garth Brooks will be the ab- absolutely the next. Because I think he owns all his own masters, too. So I'm pretty sure that he's going to be the next to just, just start selling his stuff right through his website. I mean, what what is he given, uh, you know, Liberty Records, like 40% for or whatever? So, anyway. Yeah. Y'all, we have just found out that Madonna has also bailed on her dancer's schedule audition for her new video and tour. Uh, she apparently decided to bail on everybody this morning. She was in no show for the auditions, leaving dancers steamed when their new assistant uh, called Millennium Dance Studio in North Hollywood and canceled. Over 50 girls waited for her to show up this morning for over an hour. Auditions were supposed to be rescheduled. So uh, we'll find out what happens. So that's called a Millennium Dance Complex in North Hollywood. Uh, Portland is one step closer to being the next city to consider decriminalizing the possession of an ounce or less of marijuana. Uh, this week, Portland's city attorney's office approved a ballot title for the November 2008 election. Measure 8's ballot title caption is, Assets, criminal penalty exemption for possession of marijuana in Portland. About a dozen cities, including Denver, already have such laws that decriminalize possessing small amounts of Mary Jane. Now, I thought, I thought that that was already the case here. I guess not. I don't really know, but I thought it was all... It's be- not legalized. The phrase, well, it's not legalized, but it's not legal anywhere, though, right? I mean, unless you're unless you're uh, uh, you have a, a license. Oh, that's true. But yeah. even then, the federal government doesn't acknowledge it, so that's a little bit of a sticky wicket anyway. But I, I'm never sure about that because I think it's decriminalized in some cities. But the phrase you always hear, because I have a, 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 a it really is a friend of mine. Um, but I have a friend of mine that I and he is sort of a a big pot smoker and b just like a like a, a full on screaming ACLU, you know studying to be a lawyer so he can fight for Guantanamo prisoners type. And I remember I asked him one point, I said, well, what is the deal with that? And the phrase you always hear is, well, if you get busted with pot in Portland, I mean, unless you have like a pound or something, or it's like you're standing inside a schoolyard in a raincoat, the phrase you always hear is, if you get busted with a small amount of marijuana in Portland, it's like a traffic ticket. That's what they always say. 
And they go, well, getting getting hit for pot here is like getting a traffic ticket. But I don't really think that's true. I think that might just be some crap that people say because, like, some heavy-breathing stoner that they saw at a bowling alley one time sold them, they told them that. I don't really know that that's the case. So this is on the ballot for when? November. November 2008. <laughs> How's that Claritin treating you today? Yeah, I have something else other than Claritin. Really? Are you I ran out. All right. Now, you want it, you're on a different drug? I am. It's not marijuana, is it? No, I, I don't smoke the marijuana. It's not. You're not. You're not a victim of crystal darkness, are you, Tim Riley? Look at my teeth. <laughs> that was creepy. That was really terrifying just now. Look at my teeth, and then he gave me the H.R. Giger alien grin. Uh, you know who did watch Crystal Darkness with her children was Susan Reynolds. And by the way, Carl Click, you can take a little bow for this. Susan Reynolds' younger daughter Lucy began crying nine minutes into the program. <laughs> So it was a whole lot of kids were going to gather around and learn about meth. And I guess, the, I guess the first time a woman opened her mouth and showed she just had a bunch of bleeding stumps in her mouth, I guess Susan's daughter began screaming and crying and asking to go to her room. So well done, Carl Click. Another generation scarred Scared and exactly. by Carl Click. And that should be a whole series. We should totally have Carl Click come and voice PSAs. Do we had do we do PSAs here? Well, well we start. Would she like that? AM I don't not, want to anger her. No, no, no. Lacey, Lacey's for anything that helps the people and the children. AM 970 scared straight with Carl Click, and then just the, the sound of the, the jail sword, the jail uh, the jail door, um, jail uh, cell door slamming. Just, <laughs> that's fantastic. All right, I'm going to write that down. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. A driver was speeding 100 miles an hour last night, skidding off the road in West Lynn and crashed into a tree. Looks like half the car was gone. Uh, the driver of the car was killed. Uh, Kevin Archie Gilbertson was going 96 miles an hour in his Lexus when he lost control on Southwest Rosemont Road and slammed into a large maple tree. Wow. There's nothing left to the front end of this Lexus. Oh, damn. That's no good. Yeah. Where Ma- did it, where maple did... trees are really hardy trees. Where did the rest of it go? I don't know. Into the back seat, it looks like. Jesus. Ugh. Is he, no, that person's dead, right? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, he's more than dead. <laughs> he's uh, he's dead with a capital uh Yeah, that's that's no good. Where was that at? That was in West Lynn, Jesus. where people usually behave themselves. Yeah, that's that. Whoever did that is completely and totally 100% dead. And they have plenty. Uh, I don't need to see more crash scene photos. No, no not at all. Uh, the cops say the car that hit that wheelchair man on the Ross Island Bridge at 2.30 in the morning is a gray sedan. It's amazing what the cops can find out these days. Apparently, this is a gray sedan and has extensive front-end damage. The driver took off, leading 53-year-old Isaac Worthy with traumatic injuries and a mangled wheelchair. He'd been crossing westbound across the bridge in his wheelchair when he was hit by the car. Uh, the wheelchair was dragged 120 feet so See, I just don't understand. Why is, he out, why is he out in the middle of the night in a wheelchair? Seriously, I'm not trying to lay blame on the victim here, but seriously, I don't understand any. Even people without wheelchairs shouldn't be out at 2.30 in the morning. How would you even get up onto the Ross Island Bridge if you're in a wheelchair? I'm not saying that they're not handicapable. They are, but that's a steep, not steep, but it is a long, gradual hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's dip, was it a motorized wheelchair? Do you know? Yes, it is. All right, well, that would that partially explain it. But secondly... Unless he was coming from that strip club, and I'm not saying he was. No, I'm not saying that's the case. But unless he was coming from that strip club or the car stereo place. He was coming from the Waffle House. That's open all day. That's true if he was down there at the uh, the Cake and Steakhouse. Um, Why would you be taking the Ross Island Bridge? I mean, I guess if you're in a wheelchair, maybe, you know, you don't... uh, what time it went? What time it, it was like two thirty in the morning. Well, so maybe the buses aren't running anymore because I'm saying that that's the worst possible bridge. And I also don't understand. The car had to have jumped the curb. 
which is difficult because the curb is like nine inches high. If he was going fast enough, he could, I'm sure. I guess. I mean, he really put in the time and the work. I don't understand how the car would hit the guy on the sidewalk unless the guy on the sidewalk was either very, very near to the road or the car got up on the curb somehow. So it, which seems like it would take a whole lot of, that's going to take a whole lot of forward propulsion and probably some, probably some predetermination. But you know what do I know? All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, did you hear about this? Uh, the dog that saved the family from the fire started by the cat. This happened in Greenville, Maine. Thumper, a black Labrador retriever, is getting credit for saving a Greenville man when a fire swept through his home. Roland Cody and his wife and seven-year-old grandson were away when the blaze started early Sunday at a converted two-story garage. Thumper grabbed him by the arm to awaken him, leaving him enough time to dial 911 before fleeing the fast-moving fire. While the dog's the hero, the cat is the bad guy. The fire marshal investigator believes the blaze was started by Princess, the cat. Of course it who was. Who tipped over a kerosene lantern. Why on earth are they having a kerosene lantern in there? I was trying to make a Mrs. O'Leary joke there, and uh, it didn't Princess, come together for me. Princess did get her tail singed by the flames, though. Did Princess die? No. Princess's tail will heal. Didn't even acknowledge that. You didn't even... I said it, and no one even giggled. Somebody got there laughed at that. Who did? Pr- did Princess die? Oh, now I get it. <laughs> your, your disinterest in my humor could not be more obvious at this moment. That's wonderful. A kerosene lantern really is sort of perplexing, though. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom had one of those, I think, when I was growing up. But I think it was even even hick that she was. I think even she knew to light it. I think it was just decorative. Yeah, and you cat. know the cat's always going to knock it over. Oh no, cats are the baby Stewie of the uh, of the animal world. They're, they're plotting your death. It's like Pinky in the Brain inside a cat's head all the time, just plotting your imminent demise. Meanwhile, it really is like that movie that thought where it turns out that the, the you know the, the cats are from outer space and they're here to commit genocide against the human race. They really are evil, every one of them. A homeschool teenager who felt bullied. Now, who would he be bullied for if he's homeschooled? Felt bullied, amassed a cache of guns, knives, and hand grenades, and tried to recruit another boy for a possible school attack. The 14-year-old was taken into custody after police searched his bedroom in the Philadelphia suburb last night. He had uh, talked about mounting a Columbine-style lookout attack at Plymouth Marsh High School. Weapons included a 9mm assault rifle, and the teenager's mother had recently bought him the rifle. Excellent. Well done, homeschooling parent. They also uh, found 30 air-powered guns. 30! Plus swords, well, knives, hand part, grenades. Part of the army of the Lord, Tim. A bomb-making book. <laughs> videos of the 1990 Columbine attack in Colorado and violence-filled notebooks. The weapons were plainly visible in the boys' bedroom. Well, you can't say that the homeschooling kids aren't uh, aren't bright and ambitious. But they didn't find any ammunition. No. <laughs> we're thinking attack was imminent, something. though. Yeah. And I'm certain that an attack is going to occur at some point, say the police. The teenager previously attended middle school in the district, but had been taught at home for more than a year after voluntarily leaving school. Leaving school, a police searched the home after getting a tip. A teen is charged as a juvenile with solicitation to commit terror. Well, this worked out well. What state was this in? This happened in Pennsylvania. I thought people in Pennsylvania were, uh, I thought they were reserved. You think of the Amish. I guess, I guess maybe I am. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, the, well, that's on top of this other guy that's who went separate. nuts yesterday. That was in Ohio. Was that Cleveland? Yeah. yeah. So there was the Cleveland killing. Uh, some guy, some kid went nuts. And again, a kid that everybody had been warned about over and over. And I think the kid, I'm not trying to make light of it, but I'm pretty sure this kid in Cleveland who, who went on the uh, the rampage and the killing and the death, I'm pretty sure he actually was on record saying things like, I'm going to come back and stab and shoot a bunch of people. 
And it was sort of like, oh, that crazy guy. Let's, ah, uh, he's, he's a card. Uh, all right. Oh, let's do one more and then we'll take a break. Damn, running behind. An injured survivor and relatives of three Iraqis killed in Baghdad when employees of the private security company Blackwater opened fire on them is suing the company. The Center for Constitutional Rights, a legal advocacy group, said it filed the suit charging that Blackwater and its affiliates violated U.S. law in committing killings and war crimes. The killing of 17 Iraqis in the Baghdad incident creates tensions between the Iraqi government and Washington. <laughs> do, you, do you think? Yeah. Really? Uh, Blackwater created and fostered a culture of lawlessness among its employees, encouraging them to act in the company's financial interest at the expense of innocent human lives. Like the, the lives of Iraqis are worth anything in the first place. I mean, there's, there's a million of them, which nobody seems to care about. A million no. of the Iraqis dead. And by the way, I'm intrigued by the idea that they had a culture that created a system of lawlessness. Exactly how does one create a system of lawlessness? That's like when I was in high school and they wanted to form an anarchy club. It, really, it seems to be a little bit of a self, uh, self-defeating proposition there. We should uh, take a break here. And then what happens? We'll play uh, paid advertisements from some of our many sponsors, Tim. Oh. Then we'll come back, and you will have... You really are you are batting a 1,000 today, by the way. And I don't really know whether it's a put-on or whether it's just the many, many types of medication coursing through your brain at the moment. We'll come back. More from Tim Riley uh, later on. Clown Watch, Office Confidential, Glorious Bastard of the Week, Top 5 Rain Songs, and uh, Rachel McGrath, who hates me. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Scotty, this is an exceptional top five. I'm looking at this top five you put together. Well done. Coming right along, young man. This top five is really great. Top five rain songs. Ooh. Oh, I see one that's going to get you beaten, though. There's an omission that's going to get you, uh... There's an omission that's going to get your teeth pulled out real slowly by somebody. All right. I'm... I'm going to say real carefully here, uh, up top, we're, we're not even going to get to this till next hour probably, but Scotty J put together today's top five. Okay, I'm going to set that face down so I don't have to think about the terrible fate that awaits you when we do this later. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Also coming up later, Rachel McGrath, who hates me, uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week, Clown Watch, and Office Confidential. This, however, is your personal savior, Tim Riley. Sir, talk about that kid who uh, did all that shooting in Cleveland yesterday. Yes. Now it appears that the brother of that young fellow has been arrested himself. 19-year-old Stephen Kuhn has been arrested at the family home on Cleveland's west side. The older brother was taken into custody in connection with the theft of, uh, on his home street and possibly a parole violation. Both charges are unrelated to the shooting at Success Tech Academy when police say his younger brother, Asia Kuhn, shot and injured four people before committing suicide. Uh, the brother has numerous run-ins with the law in the past few years, including burglary, assault, drugs, and weapon charges. Well, from what I hear, Tim, it is a family of goths. Oh, that's what I heard also. I have to be stopped. Hmm. Well, nobody's talking about the price of rights since uh, the alleged new host took over. I, I completely forgot that show existed. Yeah. I think like Nobody all of us. Nobody talked about it once, once Bob Barker left. Oh, dissipated right out of my head. Well, apparently it's still around. Uh, and uh, Drew Carey is now engaged. A rep for the actor slash comedian says that uh, Carey has popped the question to recent culinary school graduate Nicole Jacks. The rep adds, quote, they are both very happy and excited about their future together. This is the first marriage for both. I'm sure that he, that she's his age, too. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Kerry Lowick is, oh, he hasn't even been on yet. So what's running now? Uh, best of. That's the, the, you know what it is? And I'm going to say this, and you're going to know this is absolutely true. Price is Right is the peanuts of the game show world. They could run Price is Right reruns, and as long as they're from, I would say, from the last five years, mm -hmm. so the prices are more or less uh, comparable with what they are today, you would never know. It, because the only real dividing line, there are a couple dividing lines in Price is Right history, and I can't believe that I'm thinking about this, but A, Bob Barker's hair color. He quit coloring his hair, I think, about seven years ago. Um, so there is his hair color because he did that Grecian formula or whatever the hell it is, uh, and, and then he stopped at one point. There's that. There are the prices of the items, and then there is what's his name, Johnny Olson, who was replaced by Rod Roddy, who I think is also dead, isn't he? Is Rod Roddy also dead? No, he's still alive. He's still alive. Johnny Olson is dead. Johnny Olson is dead. Yeah. Um, Rod Roddy, who guest hosted for Tom Likas one time, if you can believe that. Uh, Rod Roddy replacing Johnny Olson, but that happened a long time ago. That was like 15, 18 years ago. So within those brackets, you can mix and match those shows all day long. Because really, One Price is Right show. When it, the, people watch game shows for the same reason people read USA Today and go to McDonald's. And I'm not knocking it, but they watch those things for the consistency. Mm -hmm. It is a very familiar, which is why, can I just tell you this? Yes, please. That the, the I watched... Um, there's just something about your tone of voice today that is fantastic. Uh, I want to isolate it in some sort of a test tube and just replicate it every single day. This, which is why when I watched The Wheel of Fortune for the first time a couple years back, it freaked me out. Because it, not that I ever really watched it. I mean, let's be honest. The only time you watch The Wheel of Fortune is when you're with stupid relatives. And I don't mean, re I don't mean relatives you just like. I mean, really, relatives who don't have a, a, a brain that functions very well. Uh, you know, maybe you're lucky and your relatives watch Jeopardy. They probably don't. Your, your relatives always watch Wheel. So you'd be there watching Wheel, and it came on, and it, at some point in the last few years, Wheel of Fortune got all changed around to me. They don't do it at all like they used to do it. Did you know, Tim Riley, and maybe you did, that at the end of Wheel of Fortune now, it, they no longer give you the big pile of virtual cash which with, with which you then shop in their, their shoddy store full of, like, ceramic tigers? I didn't know that, no. I don't even know how it ends now. I can't even remember. But they, Sarah, do you watch Wheel of Fortune ever? No. All right. But they do some other thing at the end, though, because it used to be that you would go through the entire episode, and then you would get, like, 18 grand. And then they would do that weird sliding camera dissolving one frame into another thing where they and, – and the woman would have to go shopping, and you would have to spend all of your money, like, in the Wheel of Fortune store, which is sort of like winning uh, the jackpot at, you know, at the Progressive Quarter Mania at, 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 at the Caesars Palace, but then having to spend all your money in the Caesars Palace gift shop. And so there would be at the end of Wheel of Fortune, I'll take the um, – yeah, I'll take the uh, brass, uh, the brass fireplace poker set for uh, forty-five thousand dollars. What else? Um, yeah, I'll take the uh, I'll take the black velvet painting of Pope John Paul II holding a puppy uh, for seven thousand. Uh, what's it? okay? You've got uh, thirty-two hundred left. Okay, uh, and it always came down to the same thing. The last choice was always the same. I'll take the uh, well, I guess I'll take the ceramic um, sculptures of the um, of the two lions on the Serengeti plain for thirty two hundred dollars. Great, fantastic, well done. And it, it was always crap you never wanted. Stuff that you could. Ne I mean, really, unless you were living in a Mexican bordello, it was stuff that you were never going to be able to decorate your home with. So I don't even know how they do the end of Wheel of Fortune now, but it's it's gone all sideways on me. Then there's this other. Breaking Britney's story. How could this be? Now, Britney Spears is on her way to court again. This will be the first case in connection with her divorce and custody battle. Now, I thought that she wasn't going to court, and then she was, and then her lawyers refused to comment. And... All right. Well, I don't even know. Is this about the custody, or yeah. is this about the divorce? Let's see here. 
It's changing by the moment here. All right. Please bear with me. It is in connection with your divorce and custody battle. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I, I don't even. I, I'm just so confused about everything. All right. So I, I, I guess you'll just let us know when she's dead or. Sure. Oh, I mean, really, I don't even know what else to ask. Okay. I'll, I'll get right on it. Fantastic. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, California motorists will risk fines of up to $100 next year if you're caught smoking cars with the kids. Making the state the third to protect children in vehicles from secondhand smoke. Governor Schwarzenegger signed the bill to make it an infraction to smoke in a vehicle if someone is under 18. Uh, but the traffic stop will have to be made for another offense such as speeding or an illegal turn before the driver could be cited for smoking. The ban takes effect January 1st. It joins a string of uh, smoking rules adopted in California, including abandoned smoking in enclosed workplaces or within 25 feet of a playground. Uh, secondhand smoke can be up to 10 times more of a health risk by than secondhand smoking in cars. And, and by the way, speaking of smoking and things that kids shouldn't do, we got this. Rick, I was watching K2 this morning while eating my oatmeal, and I saw Carl Click presenting the news. While he has nothing on Tim Riley, I do think that Carl would do a fantastic job at PSAs. You need to have like a cautionary tales with Carl Click segment. It starts out with the sound of ice clinking in a highball glass with scotch being poured. Then the noise of a Zippo lighter firing up a cigarette. Then Carl leans into the microphone and says, listen here, kids. He could go on then to recount stories of tweakers savagely beating someone for the copper wiring in their apartments or discuss oozing sores and the like. I guarantee that Carl could single-handedly be a force of good in the war against bad drugs. I like the way you think, sir. Incidentally, uh, Rod Roddy is dead, Tim Riley. Just so you are aware of that. Oh, I didn't know. No, no, no. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Olsen. Olsen. Is, that's the cold medicine talking, Tim. Rod Roddy is no. completely dead. He is dead and cold. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, let's talk about the horrors of the uh, Armenian genocide of 1915, shall we? It's on everyone's mind, especially in Washington, D.C. Uh, Dana Perino responds to a pending House resolution on Armenian. What the Turks are concerned about and that we share the concern is that there are PKK terrorists that are wreaking havoc up in uh, southern Turkey as well as uh, there in northern Iraq. It's a problem for the Iraqis. It's a problem for us. It's a problem for Turkey. And so we all, want to, we all need to work together to make sure we can eradicate the terrorists that are there. Well, they all worked together and eradicated Armenians in 1915. Uh, she says a pending House resolution and Armenians will hurt the war on terror. We have national security concerns, and many of our troops and supplies go through Turkey. They are a very important ally in the war on terror. And we are going to continue to try to work with them, and we hope that the House does not put forward a full vote. When did this genocide happen? 1915. All right. So that was... It, all right. So it was, it was 92 years ago? Yes. Okay. Uh, Nancy Pelosi talks about uh, Armenians. Well, that may have been a long time ago. Genocide is taking place now in Darfur. It did within not such a, in recent memory in Rwanda. So as long as there is genocide, there is need to speak out against it. I mean, I'm certainly not pro-genocide. Let's be clear about that. The Rick Emerson show Are you anti-Armenian? No, no, I'm not, Tim Riley. I love the Armenian people. I love uh, Armenian foods such as what's it and the, the, the other thing that they make. I'm just, I, I'm not trying to sound like an ass, but is there an explanation as to why uh, there's the sudden interest in a thing that happened 92 years ago? I don't know. I mean, was there like a memo or something put out about this, or is there some sort They're of... They're after the Armenian vote. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound crass. I really don't understand. I'm just saying it seems like the genocide happened 92 years ago. We could have been talking about this five years ago or next year. I don't understand why now. Please don't call and tell me why. I don't care. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 
Hey, Rick. Yes. Okay, um, just a little bit off topic. Could this conversation topic. possibly be more staccato? Uh, you are an Armenian. Uh, no, I am not. Okay. That I know of. All right, then proceed. Um, my son figured out why you call Fred Myers Fred Myers. We had a big argument about and it. And by you, you mean you, because I don't say that. Yes, you do. I do not say Fred Myers, because that's you incorrect. You that's on it. There is no... You... I do... Okay, stop right okay. now, you bastard. Here's two things I don't do. Glorious bastard. Thank you. Here's, here's two things, and I say this with all respect and love for you as a member of the audience and, so, and a human being and so forth. I don't say Fred Meyer because there's no S on it, and I don't say Nordstrom's because there's no S on the end of Nordstrom either. I do not say either of those things. So let's just okay. be clear about that right now. There are people who do it. They're called morons. They're the same right. people who say Washington. So Maybe you were emulating a moron. At uh, now, that is possible. I have been known to emulate a moron every now and again. I'm just saying. So let us now speak in the abstract about other lesser people who do say Fred Myers. Okay. Well, my seven-year-old son says Fred Myers. And I said, why do you do this? There is no S on the end. And he told you it's because it belongs to Fred Meyer. Exactly. And it's Thank possessive. You. All right. Now, see, that's, uh, that makes sense. How old is he? Uh, seven. Okay. And he said, it's his store. Okay. No, I can see that. Okay. But here's a question. Let me ask you this. Since we're, talking okay. about the, since we're talking about stores that have an S on the end, not because it's plural, but because it's possessive, why is there no apostrophe in Albertsons? They took it out. Why? I remember when that happened. But, I mean, why did they make it... Their PR people decided to do it. Is that true? Back in, the mid 80s, that back in the mid-80s, the apostrophe price went through the roof, and Albertsons doesn't charge that much, so they really can't afford no, it. No, Albertsons charges quite a bit. I'm just a bit of, why would you? Okay, let's stop now. Now, you, Tim, yes, me, John, Big Tree, you, Tim, are saying that Albertsons, it's not just that the apostrophe isn't there, it's that they actually made a concerted effort to remove the apostrophe mm -hmm. from Albertsons. Why? Well, for the same reason, 20th Century Fox also took out the hyphen. Okay, but that's wrong. It has a hyphen. No, they took it out. They made a big deal about it. It does not have I a hyphen I thought it was anymore. 30th Century Fox. That's you. Oh. All right. Bye now. All right. Later. You. Good news, everyone. No. Um, okay. I don't mean to get off and do a whole eat, shoots, and leaves thing here, but it's it's one thing if the thing is just misspelled, like if you're the game peedler in Salt Lake City. If it's just misspelled to begin with and you don't really feel like taking the time to correct it. It's another thing. I'm really trying hard not to have some sort of uh, Sorkin-esque meltdown over this because it really is a small issue. So I'm trying to rein in my uh, endearing, disproportionate anger that I often feel about things. Yes. But why, for the love of zombie Christ, would you take something that is spelled and punctuated correctly and actually go in and actively alter it to make it incorrect? Did they give a reason for it? No. 20th Century Fox didn't give a reason for removing the hyphen. They did not. Okay. Did Albertsons give a reason for removing the apostrophe? No. Oh, seriously. I, that's exactly the kind of thing... That's exactly the kind of thing that I just, I just want to find some PR guy and just strap him in a chair and just, and just grill him uh, until he tells me why. Somebody had to approve that. There had to have been internal memoranda at some point. Somebody had, I mean, it's not like some guy just went around the country with spray paint and just covered up the apostrophes. Somebody, somewhere in the Albertsons organization, decided to institute that change, and they instigated a policy whereby the apostrophe would be taken out of Albertsons, which has an apostrophe, by the way, because it is Joe Albertsons' supermarket. Yes. God, we wonder why children are just becoming as dumb as big lumps of hay. This is exactly why. Ah, oh, I weep for the future. And the present, and all of us. Here's Tim Riley. No wonder they're turning to methamphetamine. I mean, honestly, I, really. I, I, 
Well, let's forget about the uh, Armenian genocide for a moment, shall we? I'd already forgotten about it. I was worrying about an apostrophe in a store. Well, Dana Perino wants to know that the Delhi Lama is coming to visit the White the House. The Delhi Lama. Um, he serves cold cuts. I had a cuts. good conversation with President Hu when we were in Australia and told him that we would be uh, welcoming the Delhi Lama to the United States, that the President would be going to the Capitol, as he does every year, uh, for the Congressional Gold Medal Ceremony. Delhi Lama is when it's sliced real thin and you have, uh, you have rye on the side. Yes, uh, the Delhi Lama has been scheduled to visit for quite some time. He told uh, President Hu that back um, the first week of September of this year. Uh, this is not. This should not come as news to the Chinese that the president is going to be attending. Um, and uh, so this Lama is a spiritual leader who is fighting for freedom and democracy, which the president is supporting as well. I don't even. That's a very cold place. I can. I, I don't even. Uh, all right. I can already sense it's one of those days where I'm going to get really angry beyond all sense of proportion about yeah, small things. very angry. The apostrophe thing infuriates me. What about Starbucks? Stephen, I'm unclear about that. Is it Starbucks named after Starbucks from Moby Dick? Do we I know? know? I don't know. I figured that you'd know. I don't, and I, I don't hate Starbucks. I just don't know a whole lot about them. Uh, I just know that their coffee tastes like ground-up pieces of tire, so I don't drink it. Uh, That's why Americans love it. it. It is true, and it tastes the same. It's the same bad coffee everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, great coffee kick, though. So I don't understand. Maybe. I don't get angry about Starbucks because it's sort of reserved in my head because it may be named after Starbucks from Moby Dick, in which case you would think it would be apostrophized. But I don't really know the answer to that. Um, the thing about the Albertsons, Missing apostrophe in Albertsons. The reason it makes me angry is, again, not that it's misspelled. It's that it was apparently, it was spelled correctly, and then someone, I mean, look, let's be honest, and I'm not trying to knock CBS. All big companies are this way. You know how hard it is to get anything done at a big company, right? I mean, to get anything done in a large corporation takes days, weeks, months. I mean, it takes memos going back and forth. It takes approval. It takes legal to sign off on it. And, Sarah, you were, you have a, you have an artistic eye. You know a little bit about graphic design. To get a logo changed, to get a piece of art, to get a, a company's logo altered is no small process. That takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of internal um, discussion, a lot of authority, uh, you know, authorizing of that from various people within the company. Like, if I just wanted to change the logo of the station, there's like a hundred steps you got to go through for that. I remember when Coin Six, uh, when Coin News 6 changed it from Coin 6 News to Coin News 6, they paid some consultant $500,000 to change their logo and their name, and they just flipped them around, around the two and then just did that. And it was the tiniest change. It's the smallest little thing, but I mean, it, it made a huge deal for the company. It the, was important to them. The tiniest change, and it just took forever. And again, we're on a very small scale, but you know, this was uh, John Johnson 970 when we first came here, and then we changed the name, we changed the logo, we changed the whatever, and I mean, I'm not trying to complain about it, it's just the way the corporations operate. It took, I mean, there were dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of steps to make that happen. So somebody had to consciously instigate this action to remove the apostrophe from Albertsons, which is correct. It's supposed to be there. There's a blog about this. Oh, I'm going to go the back hum- and I'm going to go spray hum- paint an, a- uh, the an apostrophe. apostrophe causes chest beating and wailing and the gnashing of teeth at Albertsons. It, I, 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 it just makes me want to go spray paint it in everywhere. I mean, it makes me want to go just vandalize Albertsons and, re- and, and restore the apostrophe, which ought to rightly be there. Okay, that's the last thing I'm going to say about it for at least 30 seconds. I'm also going to say this. About the Dalai Lama. He's coming here, right? Yeah. Okay. I I know this will make me look like an ugly, stupid American, but I'm, I'm willing to bet if I flip the question here in the room, I'm not alone here. I don't really know who the Dalai Lama is or what he does or what religion he represents. Does anybody? Oh, he's a Buddhist. Is that true? 
Yes, because I remember that because we used to work with the Buddhist lady when the Dalai Lama came. Uh, none of the local followers were allowed to see him because he's too big of a person. Now I thought. Now I thought Buddhists didn't have uh, a leader. I thought that was their whole thing. Is it was all very existential and esoteric. You are the leader. There is no Except leader, the which is why. Lama. Okay, but the, so he now does he issue? I'm not trying to be jerky. I just don't understand this. It, did, does he issue uh, commands like a pope? No. I mean, do Buddhists other rules to being a Buddhist? You're not a Buddhist, I guess, so... I don't know very much about Hey, no, seriously, and I mean this sincerely now. I'm not going to poke fun, but if you are a Buddhist, please call me now. Because Buddhism is sort of weird, and and I don't know, it's not like it bothers me. It's just strange. I don't understand Buddhism. It. I'm only, I'm unclear about whether it's even a religion. I mean, is it... Uh, and I, I'm not trying to be snarky about that. Well, it kind of is. Yeah, and I, I really... I don't, I don't mean any disrespect. Uh, and at the same time, I'm not trying to sound all PC about it. I really just don't even know when... I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And usually that's true in a general sense, but it's really true here. I don't know what I'm talking about. So, and is it the booty... Is, the booty llama. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm the booty llama. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the best thing I've ever said. <laughs> um, is it the Dalai Lama who, like, when he dies, they wait for his spirit to appear in some other kid? And they, they, and they sit and they go, hey, you nine-year-old, you're the new Dalai Lama, because the spirit landed in him or something? Not to my knowledge. All right. Well, how do they pick the new Dalai Lama when this one's dead? It hasn't come up yet. Huh. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, you know what's even more important than Albertsons without an apostrophe? No. <laughs> is the uh, Shiloh Inns. The fact that their their silly little tag, affordable excellence, is always in quotes, even though it doesn't need to be in quotes. Because and by yeah, uh, because by putting affordable excellence in quotes, it implies it's not really affordable excellence. It's something similar to that. Exactly. I had a, a friend who worked for their ad agency, and he kept trying to get them to remove the quotes, but Mark Hemstreet insisted. Got to have quotes on that. Well, that's like, quotes. and the oft-told story here, which Sarah has heard a billion times, is is this guy in Salt Lake who advertised on my show, and he was a used video game salesperson. He sold old video games, and he called himself the Game Peddler, but he spelled Peddler with one D. And he had this huge sign made that he paid thousands of dollars for, and it said Game Peddler. And it was, I was at the grand opening, and he pulls the curtain off, and it lights up, and it says Game, and I said, <laughs> I said, hey, Steve, that's Game Peddler. And he goes, no, it's Peddler. And I said, dude, Peddler has two Ds in it. And, and, and he said, well, I'm keeping it. I like it. So to this day, just out of obstinance, uh, he keeps it as Game Peddler for no reason. People are dumb. They Bye. really are. Thank you. The true words were never uttered. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, um, I called about the Moby Dick thing, but actually, uh, the Buddhist B B Buddhism is a philosophy. It's it's a it's not a religion per se, um, and people get that confused all the time. Now, what is the difference between a philosophy and a religion? I'm not trying to be argumentative. I just don't understand. No. No, no, no. The idea, well, the thing about a philosophy is, is kind of like what you were um, uh, speaking about before. You know, it's, it's, it's all within you. Uh, they, they don't recognize a higher power per se. It's, it's all about. Um, it's basically about uh, living with as little resistance to the world around you as you can possibly muster. You know what I mean? So it's like if something is good, if something is bad, there's something to be gained from all of it. It don't take it personally. It's it, you is, know I mean there is the thing of karma and such. Is, but, let me ask you this: is is the gist of Buddhism, is the gist of Buddhism sort of a universal? What can you do? 
Kind of, sort of. It's, it's just, it, again, it's, it's really about philosophy as opposed to like a structured, like we know what God, we, you know, he lives on cola or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, <laughs> yes. it's more like, but the other thing is, is, um, the reason I called is I'm real curious now about this, uh, cause I didn't realize I've never read Moby Dick. It's on my list. Uh, but I didn't know that there was a character in the name Starbuck and, or Starbucks. Or whatever. Star, Starbuck, I believe it's been a long time since I've read Moby Dick because despite what anybody will tell you, it's a terrible book. Mo, uh, Moby Dick is a terrible, turgid, unreadable pile of dreck. And don't well, believe anybody who tells you otherwise. It was written like 150 years ago. No, it, yeah, it's, it's an awful book. Lots of flowery, descriptive language. It's just, it's over, yeah, it's overwritten. Um, and I'm, I don't know if he was paid by the by the page or by the word, by the, way the, word. The, way, by the way the Dickens was. Like Dickens would take five pages to describe a tree because he was paid by the word. Exactly. I don't know if Melville was paid by the word, but Moby Dick is just, it's overwritten and well, it's, but, you know, whatever. But it, I believe the navigator uh, was named Star. I might be wrong about the character, but I believe well, Starbuck was the navigator. The reason I'm curious about that is because they have the mermaid logo on their sign. Yeah. Now, see, so now I've got to go back and i got to go now back. I'm, and now I'm a little curious about that. But, no, as far as philosophy and Buddhism and stuff like that, and, yeah, they do, the, 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 the Dalai Lama will pass away, and then the new spirit will be discovered within the next blah, blah, blah kind of thing. But it's, it's a philosophy, not a religion. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. All right. You too. What a high brought For just a moment there, we sounded intelligent. It really was like a fresh air with Terry Gross kind of a thing there. For, for it was almost time for a pledge break. Exactly. Would you like a tote bag here on KCMB Portland? We'll uh, do these, then we'll visit uh, the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, well, I can give you your pick. The apostrophe for the Albertsons or the Dalai Lama interesting stuff? Um, hold on. <laughs> I flipped a coin. Apo- apostrophe, go. Oh, the apostrophe. Uh... A good friend of mine of the family is, used to be a store director for Albertson, so I always get the interesting stories from him. But okay. the uh, the family used to be owned by Joe Albertson, Albertsons, and then it went to another faction of the family, if you will, and they took apart a bunch of stuff, and they really changed some, a lot of stuff around. And one of the subtle screw yous was taking away the apostrophe and not making it of his father's anymore. But, of course, you can't really call it Albertson. So wait, so okay. this was so this was all just some backhanded thing to to f Joe Albertson out of credit. Pretty much. Well, screw that. That makes me that fills me with rage. It really does. That just makes me angry because now we're passing off linguistic inaccuracies uh, to our children for no reason other than simple spite. God damn, this country sucks. All right, thank you, sir. Bye no now. Problem. It's not really this country. It's really any place where people live. I guess that would make it the entire globe. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Today I'm holding the entire globe in contempt. What's up? Not you. <laughs> he thinks, he thinks, no point in talking now. Hello. Yeah, okay. Well, now I do hold you in contempt. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, it's me. Speaking of Buddhism, I don't know, sir. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just uh, read this thing a couple weeks ago, and I think it was Newsweek, that uh, China actually outlawed reincarnation. I did so, see uh, that. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, it just pretty much should allow them to... Uh, uh, reinstate the next uh, Dalai Lama after this one dies. I did see that that you are not you are not allowed to reincarnate without the consent of the Chinese leadership and government. I did see that story a couple weeks ago, so I, I don't even know how to feel about that because on the one hand it's hilarious, on the other hand, it, I mean it. I, I really am so torn about the, about Chinese government outlawing reincarnation because they're. I mean. It's like it's like outlawing. Uh, I don't know. It's like outlawing believing in the tooth fairy or something. I I, I don't even know how to. You know, I, from now on, there are no imaginary friends for children. It is against the law. I don't even know how to feel about it. 
So, well, what can you do? All right. Well, thank you, sir. All right. Great story. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Let's do this clown watch. Oh, this is a disturbing one, too. It really is. Gather the kids around. Yes. Won't you please? Uh, it's safe to do so now. Here's your clown watch uh, for Thursday on this, the Rick Emerson radio program. Been a long time since we had a clown watch. A Springfield man who has been a clown, a magician, a police officer, a minister, a youth counselor, and Big Brother volunteer. Is accused of possessing child pornography and traveling to engage in sexual conduct with a minor. 57-year-old A. Paul Carlock has been arrested in Springfield after an investigation sparked by immigration and homeland security officials upon his release to the U.S. four months ago from a trip to Philippines uncovered some wrongdoing. According to an affidavit, Carlock was uh, stopped at the San Francisco airport on June 12th after returning from the Philippines. He reportedly told immigration officers he was working there as a clown at the House of Joy Orphanage. The House of Joy. Orphanage. Where, where were you molested? The House of Joy. When the boys at the orphanage were interviewed in the Philippines in September, three indicated that they had been asleep and awakened to find Carlock fondling them. Imagine waking up and finding a clown fondling you in some inappropriate fashion. Ugh. Really, there's, there's no amount of whiskey that's going to chase that image out of your head. Well, anyway, Carlock told investigators he had been traveling to the House of Joy before, and that he had also visited an orphanage in Mexico in 2002 where he clowned in order to cheer up the kids. Where he clowned. Mm-hmm. You don't really think of clowned. I'm not making light of the incident, but you don't really think of clowned as being a word that's used in the past tense a lot. Right. Well, the website indicates Carlock and his wife go by the names Kletzo and Smiley while performing as clowns, and they've been clowning in the clowning business for at least 10 years. The website says the couple provides the very best in family entertainment and that vacation Bible schools, Sunday school emphasis, and children's churches are their specialty. So there you go. There's your uh, clown watch. Though kind of self-contained there. It says it all for Thursday. Oh, the guy's got one eye that's a lot bigger than the other two. That's unnerving. Rick, this email says... I've always found it odd that Michael's, the craft store, has no apostrophe. Even when I worked there, I had an automatic tendency to write Michael's with an apostrophe because it just makes more sense. Alas, there is no apostrophe in the name, just like Albertson's. The whole thing is kind of strange. The 20th century Fox thing, uh, it just mystifies me as well. A final email about this. Rick, I feel your pain in all these punctuation issues. I hate, hate, hate. I take it back. There's going to be one more after this. I hate, hate, hate when people put quotes around something, thinking that quotes are the same as bolding or thinking that quotes are the same as underlining. The worst ever was, of course, in Kennewick. It was at a carpet cleaning company, and their slogan was, quote, put, quote, us, end quote, on your carpet, where there were quotes around the word us. That would almost make sense if the company was like U.S. Carpet or something, but they weren't. They were called A1 Cleaning. Why in God's name would they put quotes around us? It makes no sense. My head hurts just to think of it. And finally, this. We have this. Uh, this is uh, Rick. Um, uh, where did it go? Oh, I've lo- oh, here we go. The fact that there is no uh, apostrophe in Albertsons doesn't bother me as much. Okay, I think about this one all the time. Guess what restaurant he's referring to, and it's not Ruth's Chris doesn't bother me as much as whatever the hell is going on with Carl's Jr. It should be Carl Jr., shouldn't it? Carl's Jr. doesn't make any sense. Jesus. I'm sorry. I added the Jesus. Maybe there. maybe Jr. is like his son or something. And he's Carl's son. So it. Oh, so that would be like, so like Indiana Chris. Jones. Yeah, he called him Jr. 
Okay, I appreciate the I appreciate the tie into Indiana Jones. That's great. Uh, no, that well, that is like Ruth's Chris because uh, Ruth's Chris. It is like Ruth Hammond or whatever the hell her name was, and her son Chris. Mm-hmm. She Carl gave Jr. him the restaurant. Okay, now I'm gonna just sort of hold that in escrow. That answer. We're gonna keep it there, sort of in in like a timeout box, and maybe we'll accept it as as true later on. Maybe we won't. We'll have to think about it. That to be confirmed okay. by somebody. I'm saying it seems likely. But we'll give it a chance to, this is like when the Vatican proposes somebody for, for sainthood, you know? We'll put it there, we'll see if somebody challenges it. Uh, okay, I'm going to let you guys vote on this. Do we take uh, this call here who has a clown joke? Did Scotty say it was funny? Scotty, have you heard the clown joke? Do you know what it is? Have you screened the, uh, the content of said, said clown joke? No, I want to be surprised. Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't you listen to the clown joke right now? Have the guy tell you the clown joke. We'll wait, and then you tell us if it's amusing. All right, Scotty. Is the joke amusing? The guy just hung up. I'm guessing that's a no. <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, that was easy. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh, I see the CBS flu shots are going to be administered today. Yeah, count no me out. No way. Remember how ill I got last year? I got sick, too. I'm never going to do that again. I remember I remember somebody being all uh, uppity about it last year, though. And I don't even know that it was you, actually. It might have been Scotty. It might have been Scott. Who was it? Did you get it last year? I did, and I get deadly ill. I think you might have been very bullish on the flu shot last year, and I opted out, and then you got sick, and Sarah took it, and she got sick, too. Mm-hmm. Because, wait for it, they're injecting you with influenza. I mean, why would you let somebody do that to you unless you really have to? I mean, the only d- reason you let somebody... Maybe it was Botox. Yeah. They injected us with. Maybe. Yeah, that was I'm, just bad. I'm just saying... Everybody was ill. It's one thing if they inject you with polio or whatever, because the, the, it, it is sort of a risk-benefit uh, ratio. I mean... If they inject you with the polio vaccine, I guess there was some tiny little chance that when they gave you the polio vaccine, you might get polio. I think there was some minuscule chance there. But, of course, the, the benefit far outweighed the risk. Because if you get polio, there's just no going back from that. Are they giving polio shots also? Well, I, I don't know. Do you have to get a, a secondary polio shot? Or is that like, are you good forever? I think you're good forever. Do, you, do kids get polio? Like hepatitis. Does anybody have polio anymore? No. I don't think so. Doesn't polio kind of sound like a game? You'd play. Who wants a good game of polio? Because it sounds like polo. Prince Charles enjoys a game of polio. Water polio. Um, Come on, that's funny. Because it was spread by swimming pools. Playing Mm. water polio. I can say that. My father-in-law has polio. I'm allowed. Not anymore. Uh, All right, blah, 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 polio, flu shot. Don't get that done. I mean, I'm just saying. become ill. No, really. I mean, in my professional opinion, just don't do that. Because just tough to buy some Kleenex and muscle through it. Here's uh, Tim Riley. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne just won't go away. He says he once made an attempt at retiring and determined it wasn't for him. He said, quote, it sucked. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that story was here and over before I could even... What more can I add to it? Would you please read that whole story again? Sure. Ozzy Osbourne isn't going away. He said he once made an attempt at retiring and determined it wasn't for him he... and stated, quote, it sucks. Yeah, he once made an attempt at retiring. That's what the Eagles once made an attempt at retiring. I have been to, uh, I believe now, it's either two or three. I believe three different tours that Ozzy has billed as his farewell tour. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Ozzy Osbourne. I really do. He's, he's coming to town uh, this year. I will go see him. His new record is great. 
He is like the Stones. He puts out new material. He doesn't just coast on the same crap over and over again. But goddamn, that guy has written. I have a short, uh, short. I have a shirt at home, an Aussie tour shirt from 1993, which is, by the way, almost 15 years ago. And it was called the No More Tours Tour because it says it on the back because it was a tour. He was on the No More Tears album. And so as a play on that, it was called No More Tours because it was his retirement tour. That was 15 years ago. And I know he's done it at least twice since then. So anyway, I mean, really, honestly, come on. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, Paris and New Jersey are upset because the kids are being forced to eat their lunch on the floor. Apparently, uh, about 1,000 students who attend classes at McGuire High School daily, and at lunchtime, a good majority of them are around the floor eating. The cafeteria holds around 300. Some outside picnic tables are provided, and seniors can leave for lunch, but parents and students are quick to speak out to school leadership against hundreds left hanging with nowhere to go. Kids should not be eating on the floor, said one mother. Nobody should be eating on the floor. Animals eat on the floor. Another student adds, it's dirty. It's disgusting. Her it name is, is Samantha. It is New Jersey, though. Uh, they also found high bacteria counts on the floor, suggesting a combination of dirty surfaces and you know, bad food. Can I tell you this? you know where the most bacteria in your bathroom is? I don't know where. Would you like to know, or do you want to just sort of think it might be everywhere? Everywhere. Where would you guess, Sarah? The most bacteria? Yeah. In the sink? Close. It is on the counter in front of your sink. <laughs> you know why? Because when you flush your toilet, all the germs go, and they poop out of it like a mushroom Oh, blood. that's really gross. Yep. Your toilet is actually cleaner than the surface around your sink. Because when you flush it, it atomizes everything and it sprays bacteria into the air like a big cloud and it lands on your on your bathroom sink. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Think about hey, that the I, next time you're putting your toothbrush in your mouth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. That's a nice thought. Hey, I know something about Ruth Chris. Uh-huh. Well, uh, it originated in New Orleans, and this is really going to make it sound weird, but um, Ruth worked at a restaurant called... Chris Steakhouse. Okay. And they cooked the steaks some special way, and she was allowed to open her own, and she had to call it Ruth Chris. Oh, I see. To, dif- to differentiate it. And then just- she went national, and the original Chris Steakhouse is just sitting there. So it is sort of a Jack Russell's Great White kind of a thing. You got it. All right, excellent. There you go. There's nothing I can't tie into Great White, by the way. Thank you, sir. I know that people like to bust on Ruth's Chris. There are, you know, I'm not saying it's like the best food in the, in the entire world. Tim, I know, loves it. He loves particularly their giant bowl of mushrooms that they serve there. Um, also, I, the lima beans can't be beat. I, I will say this. they got a damn fine pecan pie there. It's a pecan pie, and it's hard to make pecan pie correctly. As good as, as the U.K. was in some ways, I had the worst pecan pie I think of my life. Did you have shepherd's pie? I think that's what they're known for. I didn't have shepherd's pie. Oh, wait, or did I? I did. I did have a shepherd's pie. It wasn't memorable, then. No, you know, no, I had it in, but it wasn't in uh, London. It was in Ireland. In Inverness, I had a shepherd's pie. Uh, And also, uh, you know what I didn't realize, but when I discovered, you know, my whole life, do you ever hear something referred to and you think it's going to be really exotic? And then you finally try the thing. It's like that whole thing in Anne of Green Gables where she talks about wanting a diamond, and then she finally sees a diamond for the first time. And yes, I'm talking about Anne of Green Gables. Uh, she she hears about diamonds all her life, and then when Anne first sees a diamond, she's disappointed because she it, she thought it would be a different color. And so I think when Anne she, when she gets married, I think it's like an emerald or something that she mm. uses because she was disappointed the way a diamond looked. Um, my whole life, I've heard people talk about in Britain how they have brown sauce with things. Keith Richards always goes on about that, and so does Noel Gallagher. He's like, "Well, just give me my breakfast beans and brown sauce." I'm like, "I'm gonna go to Br- I'm gonna go to Britain and have the sauce that Keith Richards uses." 
Um, what is brown sauce? It's A1 steak sauce. Ugh. I mean, probably A1 steak sauce is brown sauce, but it's that's all it is. If you've had A1 steak sauce, you've had brown sauce. They're exactly the same thing. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. Hello. How are you? Boy, you're loud. Well, how's that? Is that good? Anyway, uh, getting off the apostrophes and to the clowns. Uh, I'm uh, sorry, I'm, you're what? Getting off the apostrophes and to the clowns. Getting off the apostrophes and on the clowns, yes. Clown a little boy walking to the woods. Okay, <laughs> sir. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Is this, uh, sir, are you the one who called earlier with the clown joke? Yes, I am. Okay, I'm going to ask you to pull your mouth away from the phone a little bit. It's a little it's a little crackly. Don't we have a one clown joke from day policy here? I, boy, I don't think we've had a clown joke yet, though. I think this this guy called earlier and then his phone cut out, which is hard to get. All right. Okay. Are, are you ready with your clown joke? I am ready. Okay. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Found a little boy walking through the woods. It's getting dark. The little boy looks up and says, Mr. Clown, these woods are kind of scary. I'm frightened. And the clown looks at him and says, you're frightened. I have to walk out of here alone. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. All right. There you go. This is wrong. Nah, that's a grad. That's, uh, that's a I know. Joke. I've heard that before. Ah, I love that joke. All right. I like clown jokes. What can you say? One more, and then we'll uh, do some more news, and then we'll break here in a short, uh, in a scotia, as they say. Hi, you're in the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. I was reading at a Carl's Jr. I don't know if it was on a placemat or a placard or somewhat. Uh, the name of his first stand, because it was so small, was Junior. So it was like his junior hot dog or hamburger stand. I see. So it's like a Carl's Mini kind of a thing. Exactly. All right. Excellent. All right. Cool. Th- thank you for clarifying that, sir. Hey, no problem, dude. All right. There you go. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, Bobby Brown is blaming a communications mix-up for the rumors that he had a heart attack. The heck of a mix-up. Uh, the singer said he simply went to the hospital for checkup on uh-huh. his vitals. Yeah. And that he received a clean bill of health from his doctors. No, okay. First of all, he may not have had a heart attack, but that's how you know the story is bogus right there. The idea that Bobby Brown would ever have been given a clean bill of health, I mean, it should tip the entire thing as a fabrication. I mean, it would be like Dick Cheney getting a clean bill of health. Uh, let's see here. His uh, rep says that the singer was recovering nicely after he was rushed to the hospital on Tuesday with chest pain. Uh-huh. Well, now uh, Brown claims the rep got some bad information from somebody else, and he added, quote, that just goes to show that people need to talk to each other more in order to make things right. Can't we all just get along? Mm-hmm. Uh, this email says, hey, something's wrong with my radio. The Rick Emerson Show was just talking a lot about Anne of Green Gables. That seems to be working again now. All right. And here's the obligatory. I'm surprised I didn't get this uh, the, a couple weeks ago. The obligatory, did you have spotted dick while you were in London uh, email. No, and I don't even really know what that is. And no, I didn't have haggis either. So, boy, did you know they sold haggis chips there? Like potato oh. chips or crisps or whatever they're called. They sold haggis chips. And it really was tempting to buy some. And then at the last minute, I thought, why would I possibly? I mean, really, honestly. Once the novelty value wears off, you've just paid $3 American for something, you know, a chip that tastes like the inside of a cow's stomach or whatever the hell that is. It's like having menudo chips. Thanks. I'll pass. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the Burnside Bridge was supposed to reopen on, well, two days ago. And still nobody knows when it's going to reopen. There are days and unexpected uh, problems or delays. And there's a trick of repair going on with the vintage spans lifting mechanism. Yes, they're unexpected problems, unless you're us or anybody who's lived in Portland for more than a week. It, it, it hasn't arrived in the box it was supposed to. So I don't know where they ordered it from, if they're buying a new one or refurbished the lifting mechanism. But the Burnside Bridge uh, will remain closed, much to the delight of anyone. Uh, apparently, all this kid's cold medicine has been pro- pulled due to safety concerns. Yes, if you have sick children around, 
Uh, give them chicken soup, fluids, and other things. Uh, drink makers today voluntarily pulled children's cold medicine off the market less than two weeks after the government warned of potential health risks to children who take this medicine. It's aimed at children under the age of two. It's being removed from store shelves because of rare instances of parents accidentally overdosing their children. Accidentally. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's accidentally. Uh, the group said the parents should not use any medication that they have at home. The Consumer Product Safety Administration said last month it agreed with the government officials that the use of drugs should be restricted to older children. Now, what is the name of the, 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 the medicine? Uh, Johnson & Johnson, Pedicare Infant Drops, Tylenol Concentrated Infant Drops, Wyatt's Diantap Decongestant, Novaris's Infant and Toddler Thin Strips, and Prestige Brand... Toddler Little... Thin Strips sounds like a really horrific sort of cannibal bacon. And the other one is Little Colds. I, <laughs> I need some toddler thin strips right next to my deli llama. Uh, all right, let's do one more, and then I'll read the Glorious Bastard of the Week, and then we'll break. Well, there's going to be a new scanner out at the airport uh, coming soon. It doesn't say how intrusive this is going to be. Uh, let's see. Oh, you may request a full body scan, and who wouldn't? Let's all do that. Everybody should request a full body scan. I from want now a full on. body scan, or I refuse to fly. This instead of the traditional pat down. The, the new machine uses radio waves. It sounds like something out of the 1930s. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Radio It'll waves. Detect yes. foreign objects. And science. Uh, they've been testing this in uh, Phoenix, and it's backscatter radiation that scans the entire this body. This is that thing that shows your, uh, your your genitals. Oh. Well, it doesn't say that. No, but, no, but they, of course they wouldn't because they don't want to phrase it. They don't want to position it that way. This is that thing that we were looking at the photos of last year. Where the woman walks through, and then there's uh, there's her region, and uh, they they and when they claimed, and they claimed about this machine that again shows your business that the photos are never store, uh, stored or seen anywhere, and yet as we were reading it, the newspaper contained a photo taken by the machine, which clearly had been stored so they could put it in the newspaper article. Well, it says privacy advocates argue if you want to see a naked body, this is a naked body. The example showed a uh, female body, a shapely one. With a three-dimensional image and her brassiere and a underwear. sexy one. It's uh, similar to a fuzzy photo negative. What is a photo negative? Does anybody, nobody uses film anymore. No, nobody does. I was thinking about that, actually, the other day, too. And you know who was really uh, shrewd about that was, like, Kodak and those guys? They jumped right in the digital thing. Yeah. They are, man, they, they were not going to get screwed the way the record companies uh, get. I think they learned a lesson from Napster. Mm-hmm. As soon as digital cameras were ascendant, and Kodak and uh, those guys, I mean, especially Polaroid, too, who has developed a lot of that digital technology, because they knew they were going to be effed. Polaroid cameras, I don't think will ever totally go away because there's the novelty value. But those old-school film companies, they really jumped right on. It. They were not going to get caught underneath that train. Yeah, photo negatives. That is interesting. And you know what I was? I, oh, I watched uh, last week's Mad Men last night. Finally, uh-huh. boy, how great was that? It was I, fabulous. I that show really is. If you're not watching Mad Men, you should be. You know what I'm going to buy? Uh, and no, I will say this preemptively: they do not sell it at the Amazon Music Store. I don't think so. I may have to break down and buy it from iTunes or elsewhere. I could have CD Game Exchange order it for me. Uh, you know, new, I suppose. Uh, the soundtrack to Mad Men, which is, have you seen that? No. Okay. I'm telling you this right now. I'm buying you a copy of the Mad Men soundtrack. Why, thank you. It'll assuage all my guilt, too, about giving Sarah like 700 things when I came back from Britain and buying you bucks. Wow, and you You can get me a birthday present. What? Okay. Well, the absence of gifts never bothers me. <laughs> I know. Um, well, I'll do it. You're a you better know, person than I am, Tim Riley. Maybe I'll do it when I'm out getting your gift certificate. Maybe I'll just bring you a bundle of cash and bring Tim the CD, and then it'll, it'll, it'll be a wash. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm telling you now, Tim, I'm going to buy you that. I'm going to buy you. And plus, I, you got me that copy of Good Night and Good Luck. 
So That was a long time ago. Yeah, but I'm just saying I remember these things. Rick Emerson remembers a favor. So I'm going to buy you a copy of the Mad Men soundtrack, and I'm guaranteeing you right now you'll love it. Well, it's not that I give gifts all the time. If I, if I particularly see something I know that somebody would like that's what and I'm doesn't saying. have, I do it. That's what I'm saying. And you know what, Tim? This is going to be the best kind of gift because it's a gift for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even uh, I don't know. If there's no, nothing really coming up. But I'm just going to give you the Mad Men soundtrack. I was looking at it last night, and it is, uh, it is fantastic. So, Why, uh, thank you. Do you have an iPod? Of course I do. Okay. then I couldn't uh, live without one. Then Okay, so then, uh, we, we'll talk later. I'm going to give you a copy of this Mad Men score. Oh, it's boy. really, really great. Um, anyway, so I watched last week's Mad Men last night, and boy, is it, it just, it's such a wonderful program. It is just, and i got to hand it to that girl who plays Peggy uh, for putting on that fat suit. Mm. I mean, that's a really well-done fat suit, by the way. That's a brave actress. Because um, she's an attractive girl. She's cute. And, and the fact that, that she would let them fatten her up. And you know what? Fat suits, like on the Friends episodes where, like, Courtney Cox would get all bloaty, those are sort of wacky. Fat suits have come a long way. That fat on her looked pretty realistic. She looked. She was fat Ethel Mertz style yeah. for the first time. I mean, she was <laughs> Ethel Mertz fat. Yeah. It looked, it looked like she was wearing a house dress. Getting ready to do some sweeping before <laughs> Fred came home. That is so great. Well, didn't it? Oh, the, the other thing that nobody's discussing about... About this, and it's a society type of thing. Why husbands really didn't want their wives in the working world back then? Because you would be a bad girl if you worked in an office and had an office job, and that's why a lot of husbands would go through the roof if they found out their their wives wanted to leave their home and go to work in an office. Do you mean the perception is that yes. you'd be a bad girl, or the reality is that they would misbehave when given freedom? Both. Right. Well, I could see that if you were if you just spent your life locked up in a house like a Barbie doll somewhere, and then suddenly you're working in you know Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know it's an ad agency with guys who are swilling gin all day. I could see that. Yeah. That show is so great because uh, you, you it is right on that turning point between the 50s and the 60s, and you do, you do get to see just the moment when it's all starting to evolve. And that Peggy girl is great because she's the microcosm yeah. where she comes in and she's all mousy, and now she's writing a little bit of copy, and she's using that weight loss belt that it turns out is sort of an inadvertent vibrator, uh, and she's trying to explain it to the men why the weight loss belt is so pleasing. Apparently, there's a product out that uh, very closely resembles that now. Really? Yeah. Well, that Harry Potter broom that they were marketing a few years ago that vibrated, there were all those remarks on Amazon like, my daughter won't quit playing with it. So, yeah, that show really is, is great now. I know we're coming up on the season finale of that, too, but I'm going to watch the whole thing again. Uh, the, the, only, the, the only slight criticism I will say of Mad Men is this, is that I do feel they have transitioned a little too quickly from Don Draper having the mistress, who's the bohemian in the East Village, to uh, him being with the store owner's daughter, okay. the girl who's the uh, you know, manager that, of that store. That is confusion because it's like, how many mistresses does he have? Now, wait a minute. And, and let's count the mistresses. And maybe you can answer me this, uh, because this is maybe a thing that you know the answer to in your head. Maybe it was, a, and maybe it's a thing of that time and that place or whatever. But there are all these times when Don Draper, who lives out in the suburbs, works in Manhattan. There are all these episodes where they show that that he has just stayed all night with one of his mistresses, and his wife like doesn't say anything about it. Yeah. So is that a a thing where men who worked in Manhattan often stayed the night in the city because of the job that kept them there late and it was just easier? Or is is it specific to his character that his wife, they have some weird effed up relationship where the wife just doesn't ask why he stayed out all night? But I think there's a lot of working because if you watched uh, that Edward R. Murrow movie, they're all going to Toots Shores afterwards and waiting for the morning newspapers to come out That's true. at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. So they're sitting there drinking whatever they're drinking. That's true, and he's taking clients out drinking, maybe to a club. Yeah. Uh, and then, they, you know, and they show that whole thing where he has a drawer full of shirts at the office. So I guess maybe it is not unexpected that he would stay overnight in Manhattan some nights. But, yeah, but he has at least two mistresses. 
Uh, so and because he probably reasoned with a wife. Well, if I take the train home too late, I'm compromising my safety, aren't I, sweetheart? That is true. No, that's probably it. So I'm not, and Sarah, I'm not going to be like a big. You got to what? I'm not going to nag you about it. But at some point, someday in the future, you, you're out of TV shows to watch. Is that a show for girls? I think that. Uh, well, girls. I will say that. I, I will for say the that gals. my. <laughs> the, I will say that the, the weaker sex quite enjoys it oh, in my shut experience. Oh, your mouth. <laughs> The dames uh, quite like. My wife digs it because she is fascinated by that era in American history, and she's fascinated by the evolution of, of, you know, she was a woman studies major, blah blah blah. So she's fascinated by sort of the evolution of, of women in the workplace. Well, it was and, the time so of the pill that changed That's everything it. in the office. Totally, exactly, because that first episode I think has the girl going to the doctor, mm. trying to get a birth control pill, and there's this horrible sequence. Even as a man, it's horrible, where a woman is going to her doctor uh, because she wants that newfangled birth control pill that's out. And the doctor is this horrible thing where I'm not trying to be disgusting, but I'm even as a doctor or even as a man watching this, there's this horrible sequence where she has her legs in the stirrup and the doctor does whatever he's got to do to inspect. And then he like tosses that speculum thing like in the in the in the, in the metal bowl. And it's and you're just, it's just so cold and clinical. And then he give, and then he's getting ready to write the birth control pill prescription. And he goes, of course, this isn't a license to go and whore around or something. He says, and he goes, if I hear you're misusing this birth control pill, I'll cancel this prescription. Like he's just such a dick about it. Wow. He's totally just like his puritanical like all, all these connections in New York when you can easily find out that information. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just so creepy. But um, but aesthetically, the look of the show is just. So beautiful. It is just, it's just an amazing looking show. And it just makes you wish that you lived in that time. Every time I watch that show, uh, and I don't have a real fetish for that era or anything, but you watch that show and you'll get one. You will wish that you lived in 1960 in Manhattan. I mean, it's just, it's such a beautiful program to look at. Um, great music, great everything. Anyway, so I'll read this, then we'll break. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time once again. Greetings and salutations, Rob Harrison. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM 970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM 970 pile of crap, including a pair of tickets to the Rose City Roller Season 2 Championship bout Saturday, October 20th, plus passes to the advanced screening of Dan in Real Life, the new film with Steve Carell playing tonight at the Regal Bridgeport Village Stadium, and the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. That's why they were created. Thank you for listening, Rob Harrison. You are the glorious bastard of the week. Be sure to sign up to become an AM 970 glorious bastard at 970.am. Apparently, I'm going out to dinner with them at some point this month. Oh yeah. I've just been told that's happening. One of the little one of the little uh, appointments in my date book that's just been made for me. All right. Uh, why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Just a moment. We'll uh, go to the Ministry of Truth, and then we'll either do the top five. Let's see. We'll either do the top five, the Office Confidential, or High Concept Thursday. I'm not sure. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hello, sir. Hi. Hi, hi to you and Sarah and Chip. 
I, w- I wanted to tap into your commentary about Mad Men. Yes, sir. I'm an ex-ag uh, guy and uh, CBS guy, so I, I, I'm uh, enjoying the Mad Men a lot. And I, I thought it was interesting with the, the, the main character and, and going, uh, referring, I'm referring to uh, the Charles Kuralt thing with his uh, little uh, escapades, his romantic escapades. Yeah, Charles Kuralt, who, for those who don't uh, don't remember this, Charles Kuralt was a guy who did a show called On the Road for right. CBS television, I believe, yeah. for many years, where he'd get in a Winnebago and trial over the country and interview, right. interview a lot of old characters. Yeah. And it turned out that Charles Kuralt, who was married with children for yeah. many, many years, had a secret, separate family. Wife, kids, everything. He was a, a busy guy. A duplicate family on the side for like 26 years. He was a busy guy. Yeah, I mean, which they only found out after he died. And I'm I'm not encouraging people to start duplicate families, but it is, uh, I mean, and the two, and I'm unclear with Charles Kuralt about whether the second wife and kids, you know, the duplicate wife and kids, whether they were aware, well, they must have been because he was a public figure. So they must have been aware of it. But, yeah, he had this whole separate family, a, a secret separate wife and another set of kids for 26 years. And he wasn't even a Mormon. Now, see, now, I mean, you had me and then you've, it's all fallen apart now. That's right. No, I'm, but it, it, and Aaron Sorkin, by the way, has recycled that a couple times. On the West Wing and on Sports Night, both, there have been plot lines where somebody discovers that their father had a secret wife and kids on the side for like 30 years. Yeah. So it is, it's a really interesting story, and that it only came out after he was dead. That's right. Yeah. That's correct. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. That's uh, David. There you go. Yeah, it's um, Don Draper does sort of seem to have that, and I do believe he is working toward that, his character, because he does seem to be very into constructing this wholly alternate life uh, with this woman in Manhattan. So we'll see if that happens. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Ah. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A mother convicted of punishing her son by forcing him to sit in a dog cage has been sentenced to four years in prison. Jessica Botsko apologized before the sentencing, saying that her her jail time that she spent in the past six months has really opened my eyes to the pain I caused my children. Oh, I think we'd open up somebody's legs and then do some sterilizing. That's what we got to be uh, opening up. What is it? Where does she live? Toledo. Toledo, Ohio? Yeah. I guess it's not Toledo, Portland. Uh, how old is the kid? Not that it matters. Uh, Ten-year-old. Oh, yeah, she ought to be taken out back and uh, and be dealt with. What is her name? No, her name is... Uh, is she going, going in the book? Going in the book. Jessica. It's been too long. Botsko. Hold on. Jessica Botsko is going in the book. Mm-hmm. Would you uh, please not to spell Botsko? B-O-T-Z-K-O. Botsko. Does it go into details about, like, what... Did yes. she force him to sit in there? Yes. Toledo, Ohio. Son in dog cage. Mm-hmm. Apparently the 10-year-old son escaped with his 5-year-old brother, who turned officers he was tired of being put in a dog cage. Yeah, I would imagine so. They found a collapsible cage and a shock collar used to train oh, animals. Are you kidding in me? In the couple's trailer, the cage was less than 2 feet tall and wide, had a chain across the top and two locks on each end. Oh, somebody, somebody, oh, somebody needs a good horse whipping. Oh, all right. Oh, she's in the book. All right. Yeah, she is definitely in the book. Put an asterisk. Yeah, seriously, with a star. <laughs> Jessica Botsko, Toledo, Ohio. You are in the book, and someday uh, you will be dealt with appropriately. So there. All right. There you go. You're on the list. Fantastic. Jessica Botsko is in the black book. All right. Which what? is which is and by the way, that's Sarah who keeps insisting it's a killing book. 
I've never I said that. It. I just said the book. No, no, no. You, you referred to it the other day as a list of people I'm going to kill. And I'm saying I've never said that. I've never said that that's what it is. That's, uh, that, would be, that would be wrong. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about toys, shall we? Nice little change of pace here. Excellent. Some of the hottest toys for the upcoming holiday season. Yes, we're talking about them already. Are based on popular movies and television programs. Toys R Us spokesman Bob Friedland said the Toy Giants annual hot toy list includes the Transformers Ultimate Bumblebee for children from five to seven years old. We have, you know, anything from classic traditional Transformers up until the Ultimate Bumblebee, which is on our hot toy list. And Ultimate Bumblebee hot has animatronics action and it, you know, has lights and sounds and even plays music. Uh, Disney's Hannah Montana toys are extremely popular. And there's a great item on our list, the Hannah Montana In Concert Collection doll. And Hannah is an actual, you know, concert musician, performer, rock star girl. So this doll brings that to life for kids. Smile, and, you know, happy, fun wish family show. music from the doll itself. Let me just say this. I was saying earlier that I thought record industries had lost the power to create uh, teen icons and teen sensations. This actually dovetails with an email I got. You know who it is now? It's not record uh, companies. It's people like Disney. See High School Musical, for example. Yeah. High School Musical, Hannah Montana, things like that. That is right there. That is this is this is emblematic of this is the last great frontier in being able to market and mold the children. It no longer is record companies and things like, things like Britney Spears. It is stuff like uh, movie companies and television uh, companies creating teen icons via television programs. That really is going to be the last place they're able to do it. Also, a more traditional toys such as the Legos remain popular. There's a new pink version of the Monopoly board game called Boutique Edition. It's designed to appeal to girls, ages 8 to 11. And the game's box doubles as a jewelry case. Well, NBC Universal is dropping the curtain on beautiful downtown Burbank. The media company, which made the town of Tract Homes the fundamentalist of jokes by Johnny Carson, has announced they are selling their legendary NBC studios at 3000 West Alameda Avenue, Burbank. The studio has a rich history. It was home of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and now with Jay Leno, as well as The Hollywood Squares to Tell the Truth, Verona Martin's Laughing. Elvis taped his 68 Christmas special there. Tom Brokaw started his uh, NBC career there, and uh, Channel 4 in Los Angeles also shares the uh, premises. NBC Universal says it is in negotiations with a buyer. They will not announce the name. The company intends to relocate the network and other local news operations from Burbank to new headquarters across the street from Universal Studios, which is also part of NBC. It's now NBC Universal. And uh, let's see here. Before any deal is complete, the company wants assurances that it can lease back the site that they claim they purchased in 1951, which I think was earlier than that, for its uh, news operations. They also do uh, the Ellen DeGeneres show there and Days of Our Lives soap opera. That really is a, that is a piece of American and certainly of show business history that's going to be gone. It certainly is. And then Tim told the greatest story, actually, he mentioned this in the kitchen, that when you drove to California to live, that was actually the first place you went, actually, before you even got a place before to... Impact. Before impact. Like all of his crap in the back of the car, mm -hmm. the first place you went was to those studios. Yep, I took the studio tour. That is and so back great. then, Carson was still doing the uh, Tonight Show. Uh, so wonderful. Yeah, so it's it's too bad. Yeah. I've been to that building on many occasions for other shows. By the way, somebody has noted this uh, that uh, about the Carson thing. Carson's white star on the Tonight Show set <laughs> is one of the symbols of the Phi Gamma Phi Gamma Delta fraternity, of which he is a member from the University of Nebraska. So apparently, it's like it's a frat thing, which I didn't know. So anyway, so did they say wait? So it's 2011 that's going away. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, what can you do? That that is too bad because they just added on to that in the 90s. 
they're going to build this new NBC project in two phases. Phase one includes a 655,000 square foot office complex and a 315,000 square foot media production center, 1,700 parking spaces. I don't know where they find all this room at Universal for all of that. Uh, anyway, let's see here. Uh, okay, the Tonight Show will remain in Los Angeles with Conan O'Brien, who now shoots uh, the late night show in New York, who takes over for Leno in 2009. While the Burbank facility is on the block, the network is expanding and upgrading Studio One, which is the soundstage on the Universal Studios lot, built in 1961 for the Jack Benny television program. The new home for the uh, late-night show has had other memorable uh, productions, including Jurassic Park 3, The Incredible Hulk, as well as the 1980s television show Knight Rider. So, uh, yeah, that's that's too bad. They're going to uh, get rid of that building. It is history. And, you know, I won't be able to see the, the cars are there, obviously, but you know, I should try to get down there and see it, actually, before they get rid of it. And let me say preemptively, it hasn't even started, and I'm already just... just so I can. It's like that bumper sticker. He says, I'm already against the next war. I am already disgusted and horrified and revolted by all of the tearful tributes to Jay Leno, which will undoubtedly be coming in the next years. We uh, Oh, that's too bad. Him. Well, you know, well, Don't cry for Jay Leno. No, but you know that we're going to be subjected to... This whole weird fabricated uh, replica, this facsimile of what they did for Carson, you know, and there's going to be a lot of let's let's relive all of our national moments with Jay Leno. I'd know? like to see the numbers for the permanent drop off from the time that Carson left to when Leno took over. I don't know, actually. And, you know, there was like at the if you see if you read that book, The Late Shift, uh, by, that book. it's a great yeah, by yeah. Bill Carter. That uh-huh. is one of the best books about television ever written. It's already 15 years old, but it is one of the best books about television, that, about the entertainment industry that's ever been written. Mm-hmm. And they tell that, that story that they tell. And then the, you've seen the HBO movie of that book, yeah. you not? which is great. HBO, those current history movies that HBO makes, like Barbarians at the Gate, uh, Late Shift, uh, Weapons of Mass uh, Distraction. And then they're making one about the Duke rape case, the lacrosse rape case coming up. Uh, but that sequence where Jay Leno is hiding in the closet listening as the guys in the boardroom discuss his future with the head of, of GE. That's just the creepiest, greatest sequence, and that it's true, that it really happened. Um, but they say at the end there that, that, that when they came out of the gate that Letterman beat Leno repeatedly for like seven months, and then when Leno had Hugh Grant on after he got caught picking up that hooker, that Leno went into the, the lead and, 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 you know, and then Letterman never got it back. But I don't know if that's true anymore. I would be curious. I mean, I think it's worth, it is very telling, and then we'll take this call here. It is, uh, somebody answering my question about the Dalai Lama, it is worth noting that even though Leno appears to be the guy who's in the lead number-wise and so and with, the, with the younger audience, I don't really think that that is true. I think that the Letterman show must be more financially successful because what, why would Leno be leaving? I mean, you, they must have just said, walk before we make you run. That's got to be what it is. I mean, NBC had to have sat Leno down at some point, you think, and just said, look, you can either quit in two years or we'll fire you in two years. W- which would you prefer? And Leno's, well, I think I'll just quit right now. And then that would, that's his whole thing is he's just going to leave gracefully, because they were going to slot Conan in eventually, and so he must have just decided to do it voluntarily. So he's got to be tanking relative to what they expected anyway. Or either that either that, or, or maybe this is more likely, or Conan just threatened to walk, because that, that Conan show makes a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if Conan O'Brien just threatened to quit unless they gave him the 1130 slot and they just decided that Conan was more important to their future than Leno, and so they just booted Leno out to, to keep Conan. That seems more likely now that I now that I say it out loud. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. 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 Yes. Um, about uh, Buddhism. Yes. The 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 Dalai Lama. Uh, Lama is actually his title. 
So the next incarnation will not be Dalai Lama. It will be Fred somebody Lama. else Lama. Really? Yes. So he's... Lama is his title. He is a Lama. He is the Dalai Lama. What is And so Lama means what? Um, basically, um, the, he is the Bodhisattva, which is basically, it means that he is the great incarnated one. He has achieved enlightenment. If you are a bodhisattva, you have indeed achieved enlightenment, but you have chosen to stay behind uh, to help the rest of us poor slobs in attain enlightenment. So is okay. So let me ask you this. So, so Lama is sort of like Christ because people think that Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ's name, and his name Christ just means teacher. I think Christ means teacher. So, so it's like so Bob Lama Christ or something. All right. So, guider. so if he's reincarnated, now does this mean it's like the same guy coming back over and over in different shells? So, yeah, basically it's 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 that he is the um, that this spirit that is indeed in the Dalai Lama currently mm -hmm. is the great evolved or uh, reincarnated spirit. Okay, so let me ask you this. So, God yes. forbid, uh, or whatever they would say, God forbid the Dalai Lama gets hit by a bus tomorrow. Right. Da Dalai Lama's dead. How do they then determine where his spirit has has ended up next? Well, you see, there are this there is this um, group of uh, Tibetan monks, uh -huh. in fact, that um, a council, as it were, that uh, goes around, and there are indeed children um, that have, in their eyes, shown great promise, as it were, and they they set out in front of them these tests. Um, different um, objects or whatever, uh, supposing, depending on what they choose, depending on what this council sees, they are the ones that decide, oh, yes, you are indeed the next I'm llama. smelling a reality program, America's Next Llama. Ooh. I mean, really, if you're getting 12 kids in a room and then there's a bunch of judges voting them off one by one until left, one is left to become the next llama, yeah. I mean, this really does sound like all you need is, is three or four different cameras and, like, Pam Anderson to host it, and, you're, I mean, you got, like, a 12 share. Yeah, exactly. We could just, you know, put some Chef Boyardee and make it all American. Excellent. You know? Fantastic. Well, thank you, kid. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. All right, there you go. There's kid. Well, it's no crazier than anything else. All right. Um, okay. Uh, okay, Sarah, what should we do? Wow, it's 2 o'clock. Damn. Okay, here's what's coming up. It really is? Well, here's, here's what we're hemmed into. we got Rachel McGrath, who's coming up at 2.10. Uh, we have uh, Tim Riley again. You and your best friend forever? Yes. Where we are BFFs. Um, we have Rachel McGrath at 2.10. Uh, we have Tim at the bottom of the hour. And then here's the other things we got. I got the Office Confidential, the Top Five, and High Concept Thursday. I'm sorry, I was just distracted from by an email. When by is that? Thing. When is that um, that terror alert thing supposed to start? Next week, the 15th, I think. Okay, because my you'll friend... know what is happening. You'll know there'll be a huge cloud and everybody will be, be running for their lives. People will be on screaming and flailing. No, I was just gonna say their skin will be falling off and they'll be. Okay, Everybody's so my friend fire. Dave works near the Lloyd Center, and he said police have stopped the max of the Lloyd Center Mall, 15 or more police cars marked and unmarked, as well as FBI agents <sighs> present. They would not let us out of our building. They took a white male off the max in cuffs after unloading it, at, oh. after unloading the rest of the passengers. Oh, here we go. So what damage would a white male cause? Um, let's see here. Yeah, this is okay. Yeah, I just got this. Not sure what it's all about. We'll update you as I find out. All right, so if you are near... Well, it seems like, and there's another one at 434, or let's say 134th. It begins. Exit. Uh -oh. All right. This, this, this city's on lockdown. Oh, Maybe this is freaky. like Starship Troopers. Maybe this is when the giant insects are coming out of the sky. All right. If you are at the Lloyd Center or near Lloyd Center, uh, please, uh, the please to be calling us now and tell us what's going on there. 
FBI agents present. Really? Okay, here's uh, let's see. A fatal accident involving a truck and a pedestrian is closed West Burnside near 14th Avenue. Uh-huh. So it it's all and, happening at and, once. And the I-84 exit to the Lloyd Center was closed due to police activity involving a robbery. So it's a robbery. Why would the FBI be there? Yeah, the... The FBI doesn't get involved in just everyday robberies, I would This imagine. could be a cover story. I think there's a little disinformation being so floated. So here's what we have. The I-84 exit to the Lloyd Center is closed due to police activity involving a robbery. A fatal accident involving a truck and a pedestrian is closed west Burnside near 14th while police work at the scene. All at once, huh? Hmm. hmm. It's a head-scratcher, isn't it? That's all we know at the moment. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I got two things. First, the FBI gets involved if it's a bank robbery. Right, is, so there a, is there a bank near Lloyd Center? There's oh, I don't know. There. Yeah. Who would keep their money near Lloyd Center? Yeah, there yeah. is a bank there. I mean, you could now, never... Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. The other thing, uh, Conan O'Brien, evidently word got out that he was uh, talking to Fox about a late-night TV show at the end of his contract, and NBC got wind of it, went to Conan and said, what will it take to keep you here? How about The Tonight Show? And then went to what's-his-face with the big chin and told him that he would have to leave. That which is, yeah, which is the same thing that Letterman did. Uh, right. Letterman, that's exactly, it's funny, because you got to wonder if Conan O'Brien read The Late Shift and then just executed that same playbook, because Letterman just said that was Letterman's thing. Letterman is like, look, I'm leaving. And NBC said, uh, what, what can we offer to keep you here? Uh, this after they'd given Leno the Tonight Show. And Letterman said, well, look, if you want to keep me here, you've got to offer me the Tonight Show. And they finally did, by the way. NBC did finally offer Letterman the Tonight Show. But by that time, he thought it was damaged goods, and so he just bolted for CBS regardless. Yeah, yeah too late. Interesting. Show ever. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, hey, Rick. Hi. Hey, I, the little girl on Burnside is true. So. I'm sorry? The, the little girl that just... But there, you were just talking about the pedestrian. Were we talking about a little girl? Was there a pedestrian killed on Burnside? Yeah. We, we know there was a pedestrian involved. So do we know that there was a, was there a death of some? I thought Burnside was closed. Where would this have, where, Burnside and what? It is, it's, it's closed West Burnside near 14th. truck accident. Oh, that sucks. All right. Yeah, okay. Where was it? West 14th? West 14th and Burnside? Yeah. Right, right at Wrangler's, uh, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, that, that, right there's that, Mc, that McDonald's is yeah, up there. Everyday music. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, that's terrible. All right. Thank you, yeah, sir. All right, there you go. So and Powell, no, Powell's is right on 14th. Is that what I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, like the yeah, okay. So by Rocco's and I so think, forth. I think Powell's is at 12th. Well, whatever. But that that area though. Yeah. Right yeah, by yeah. right by mm-hmm. there. Yeah, the yeah. Crystal and that whole area there. So, well, we don't have that confirmed, but the the word is that there's a pedestrian accident and perhaps a, a pedestrian uh, a death. So try to stay away from birds. We don't know that that's true. Uh, but that's what we've heard. And meanwhile, there's something going on at Lloyd. There's always problems at Lloyd Center. And I didn't even. I mean. I didn't even think there was a bank near there. Yeah, it's across the street. It's not inside Lloyd Center. It's across the street. Oh, I was going to say, I would. who would keep their money inside Lloyd I need to get in, but it's closed. It's right next to the dollar store. Exactly. If you want to store your money. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, it's 2 o'clock. Uh, Sarah, should we break? Should I do the Office Confidential? Should we just... We should probably just break. Let's break. We'll reset. If we come back, if we have time, we'll do the Office Confidential before Rachel McGrath. Uh, we have top five rain songs coming up. Top five rain songs. More from Tim Riley, and it is. It's a button labeled cough. Over. Oh, back after this, you stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Sense it all. 
All right. Okay, well, we'll get uh, we'll get an update on that bank robbery here in a second. I'd like to know, I'm not trying to encourage people to do it, but I just I'd like to know the last successful bank robbery there was. I can't even imagine how you get away with that at this point. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Tim. Good afternoon. It's Brian. I'm Hello. Grove, just delivering the people's mail. Yes, sir. Are you a, are you a real postal carrier or one of those like scab postal carriers? No, I'm 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 the real deal. We I know. Talked about that month ago. I know. I'm yeah. just I'm just screwing with you because I saw um I saw our friend Justin over the weekend was a mail carrier and I just it was I think he had a few and uh, and so I just poked him a little bit. I'm like, hey, so what about those scab mail carriers? Oh. Man, he just uncorked a whole lot of rage about that. So uh, yeah, that that's a pretty common uh, uh, theme throughout with my fellow coworkers. Yeah, we don't have any of those in our office, but uh, I'm gonna call the uh, I'm gonna call the post office and demand that my mail only be picked up by regular licensed uniformed mail carriers. You and everybody else should do that. I will not accept substitutes. No imitation. Uh, right. So uh, one thing back to the Dalai Lama discussion. I'm surprised with you with your immense pop knowledge. I uh, didn't remember the episode of King of the Hill where they were actually had picked Bobby, Bobby Hill. Really? As the next Lama, yeah. I love King of the Hill, but King of the Hill to me is sort of like my name is, Ur- uh, my name is Earl where it's um, – it's it's great, but it's not appointment television for me. I watch it if it's on, or if I need something to watch, they're always on the TiVo. But I just uh, I don't watch it religiously. It's just sort of I take it for granted, I guess. It's just kind of always around. Yeah, and well, I'm kind of that way now with The Simpsons, which I still yeah. really like a lot. But it isn't like I I, I change my dinner plans just because of uh, it being on the air. And one other thing, uh, a question of one of your uh, fabulous underwriters for your show, and a the use of wording. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Uh, there's a commercial you run on your station that talks about reprographic production and things like that, that yeah. and just at the top of this last break. They talk about being able to print your image on anything, glass, metal, aluminum. Um, is aluminum a metal? <laughs> Do they really say glass, metal, or aluminum? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'll, uh, I'll crack some skulls. Please, uh, That's please. all right. You know, there was a commercial running for the longest time that is not running anymore that I sent numerous memos about. Uh, and 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 as as much as I like to think that I'm a person with some kind of pull or influence, you realize that you're not because there were there was this commercial in which I won't identify the client, but they said in the commercial, da 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 da, nobody does it as good as da 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 da. And I emailed them like, are we really running a commercial where we say no one does it as good as blah blah blah? And I got back the uh, what's wrong with it. And I just, at that point, when they ask you what's wrong with that, you just sort of have to give up. So. And one, one more thing. Remember, you know, Ralph's Market in Southern California? I do. There's no apostrophe. Is that true? Yes. All right, I'm going to have to go. But he uh, needs to be killed. I'm on, that's you who said that. That's, uh, that. I don't advocate that. All right, thank you, sir. The book is just for uh, being dealt with, sir. I never said anything about killing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, that just reminded me of that. I think it was a different episode, but the same thing about Bobby becoming a um, – he was, like, adopted by Indians or something or got lost or something. And the the, the line that stuck with me was uh, something like uh, uh, his dad's got a headache, and he's like, I can heal you. I'm a shaman or something. You know? I love – Bobby Hill is one of the greatest characters. A little and- stubby, rotund – Formless Bobby. Well, and he's just the thing about Bobby Hill. And again, uh, King of the Hill is not a show I watch all the time, but I really do. Whenever it's one of those shows that whenever you watch it, you kind of go, "Man, why don't I watch this show more often?" You know, and, and then you sort of forget about it again because it's just you know what the King of the Hill is. It's not flashy. 
It doesn't get all the attention of the press. It is the little. It is just the slow and steady wins the race. It's it's the tortoise versus the hare. So while everybody gushes over Family Guy or you, you know, I love Family Guy. See, and and I don't, and I understand that there is a big that people either love Family Guy or they don't, and I understand that. But, but I'm just saying in terms of press or like what well, people will go on and on about Aqua Teen Hunger Force or whatever. All of you know, which well done programs all. All deserving of their credit, even Family Guy, uh, deserving of the press it gets for for some reason, you know, in some ways. Um, King of the Hill isn't a flashy program. It is just a good, solidly written, funny sitcom that just happens to be animated. But Bobby Hill is one of the most fascinating characters on television because he's just got so many weird, disparate personality elements, you know, in this big redneck family of his. It is, it is a really great show. So. Well, and, and all the neuroses call back to things that probably really do happen to people in those kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. They twist it to the absurd, of course, but I think that's part of it is that there's there's a, a little bit of uh, somebody you know in, in every one of those characters somewhere. Totally. Well, I see a lot of, and I hate, I know this makes me sound like a nitwit, but I do see a lot of myself in Bobby Hill. I really do. <laughs> Oh, now we've got it. Thank you. All right, see, Thank that's you, why. Bye now. No, I really do look at Bobby Hill and his relationship with his dad, but especially just Bobby Hill as a person. Uh, Bobby, I was a lot like Bobby Hill growing up. There's just no getting about it. Tim, do you have breaking news? I do, yeah. All right, so we'll get Rachel McGrath in just one second. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, let's get some breaking news here from Tim Riley at the CBS News Desk. And we do have confirmation a bicyclist was killed in that uh, crash with a truck in Southwest. It happened near Southwest 14th in Burnside when the cyclist uh, collided with a cement truck making a right-hand turn. Oh. Uh, the victim is a woman, and that's all we have at the moment. So, so once again, a cyclist was they, killed in the crash. Do they haven't identified her? No. Do they know the age or anything? Nope. That's so this was 14th? That freaks me out. Oh. 14th in Burnside? Yeah. So she, I'm trying to think of a cement truck turning right. You can't turn right anywhere, though, there. What, what is 14th? And I apologize right now to Rachel, who's listening on hold. Rachel, we'll get to you in just one no, second. I, I, believe, I believe 14th, you can make a right turn. What, what landmark 14th. is it 14th th- that I would know? Is that like the McDonald's? No, 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 no. Is it down further? Is that the Crystal Ballroom intersection, yes. Sarah? Yes, in that area, I believe. So if the know. cement truck was making a right off of 14th onto Burnside... Or off of Burnside on to 14th to go into Northwest. Mm-hmm. And the cyclist would be crossing there. Yeah. Ugh. Boy, that sucks. All right. I mean, I, you know, what are you going to say? And I know that it sucks, doesn't really convey the gravity of the situation. Okay, yeah, perhaps, Tim but... is right. It's right at the Crystal Ballroom. It's right around that All area. Right. Well, uh, so... right. Just, um, okay, now we have, uh, I have more in that bank robbery here. It's right. coming up just uh, a minute. Okay. Okay, a man wearing a disguise robbed a Northeast bank, then took off on the Max train. That's why the Max train was stopped. Are you kidding me? They were able to capture him a short time later. You he robbed the really? Sterling Savings Bank, and this is at 4728 Northeast Sandy. Police caught up with the suspect at the Max stop near the Lloyd Center and arrested him. He robbed a bank, and then he got on the train? Sure. Makes sense, doesn't it? Boy, they're really handing out brains left and right in uh, in that part of town, aren't they? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, which will be any moment now, undoubtedly. Uh, Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Rachel McGrath. Hi, Rachel. My apologies for bringing you on late here. That's okay. Things are sort of... uh, I have nothing else to do except sit and wait to talk to you, Rick. It's fine. You know, it's exactly this kind of spark that makes your appearances on the Rick Emerson Show so wonderful, Rich. Well, you know, I look forward to it. Well, thank you. I, um, all right, so I, I will keep this short because you undoubtedly, even though you don't have to talk about it uh, to, to us all the time, you're probably sick of, of, of the words Britney and Spears already. <laughs> yeah. um, 
so I guess we're sort of unclear, I guess, just about, I guess if we're just going to sort of recap her today, we're unclear about, we heard that she did go to court today, then we heard that she didn't, then we heard that, that, that she sent somebody, but it was about the visitation, then we heard it wasn't about the visitation. So uh, what, what, what has happened with Britney Spears? Where is she now in her endless downward spiral? Well, she's actually in court right now. Um, it, it was one of those days um, the, we, the media and everybody camped out outside, outside the courthouse in downtown L.A. because um, there were reports that she'd filed an emergency uh, motion wanting to ask the uh, commissioner in charge of her custody case to let her have overnight visits with her two young children. As you know, last week, Kevin Federline, the ex-husband, got full custody mm-hmm. uh, temporarily of the boys, and she's only allowed supervised day visits. Well, everybody turned out this morning. Um, the, the lawyer for her ex-husband turned up and said that, that it was ridiculous to have another hearing so so soon. Um, an attorney for Britney Spears showed up. Uh, they met with the judge. The judge refused to rule on the, the night visitation um, issue, told the lawyers to sort it out between themselves, at which point, apparently, hearing this, Britney Spears, who earlier had said that she didn't come to court because she was uh, terrified of the paparazzi who were camped outside, mm, uh, decided that she would. She got in her car, she drove herself to the courthouse, and she's in there right now, presumably, giving the uh, court commissioner a piece of her mind. Does she have a driver's license? She does now. Okay, she does. We know that for a fact because I think the last time she claimed she was getting one, she was. It was really just like a like a like a cigarette package. She was quickly waving around in the air. Yeah, basically she was driving for five years in L.A. on a Louisiana license, which well was expired. Uh, she did go um, to the DMV here, and she got. Um, she, she, I think she completed virtually everything she needed to do, apart from one or two things, um, and that was a couple of weeks ago. So I'm, I imagine that. She does have a license now. You know, really, the fact that they have given Britney Spears all of this money and all of this power, and and that they are that they have given her, you know, the fact that she and Kevin Federline have children, which they are allowed to keep, is a little bit like giving teenagers whiskey and car keys. It, the whole thing is just sort of mind-boggling to me, and grows more so by the day. So. Yeah, well, it's true. Whoever knew that Kayfabe would turn out to be the better parent? That um, really, if you had asked me that a year ago about the idea that I would be rooting for him to get custody of these children, in whom I have no vested personal interest, by the way, uh, I would have uh, thought you were smoking some of whatever did not definitely give uh, Bobby Brown that heart attack a few days ago. So, yeah. All right, Rachel McGrath, I apologize again for the delay. As always, a pleasure to talk to you. We will speak again, my friend. Thank you. Look forward to it. Rachel McGrath, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. Excellent. Okay. Uh, all right, so yes, it is the Ringler's Music Millennium intersection. And this person clarifies that you can turn right off of Burnside there, but not left. Um, but you can turn... Is 14th a one-way street? Yeah, you can turn right because it turns right and it goes down into, like, the Pearl District area, like, where the vaults and, so like, all those bars are. So if you're going up Burnside, you can turn right onto 14th. But I believe that 14th is a one-way street, which means you could not turn from 14th onto Burnside. So I think by the process of elimination now... We know that the, unless I'm missing something, because I think 14th is a one-way street going um, north. I think the truck, by definition, had to have been turning right from Burnside onto 14th, which means the cyclist was going up 14th. Either that or the cyclist was going up Burnside and the cement truck was going down 14th. Do you see what I'm saying? But he was turning right, they said. He was turning right? Tim had the story that the cement truck, which may be wrong. Tim had the story that the cement truck had turned right. And I think think 14th is a one-way street going north. So I think unless I've missed something, I think that means that the bicyclist was in the intersection going up Burnside. The truck must have turned right off Burnside onto 14th and hit hit the cyclist. That's kind of how we're piecing it together at the moment. So we'll... 
We'll uh, get, I guess we'll get more on that uh, as it happens. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Uh, yeah, the bank robbery thing on the train. Yeah. I actually had that happen to me about three months ago. I uh, I was leaving the uh, the Apple downtown store. You uh-huh. get on the Mac stop, you know, and it's right there. And I got off. I go out to the train, and the train is stopped, and there's like three trains stacked up behind it. And the most chilling thing about it was, I mean, there's like uh, Amtrak security or whatever, you know, bus security, police are there, FBI, everybody. Uh, the police are well in, wearing full, you know, uh, flak jackets and carrying uh, assault rifles, which is an odd thing to see. You know, you oh, yeah. call them cops with assault rifles. Like, why? And three blocks up the road, three blocks up the road, a couple of guys, they both look like heroin addicts, had robbed a bank, walked in with a note, and then just got on the max, you know, not thinking that it stops every two blocks. You know, I mean, the the, the brains that it must take to, I mean, first of all, it's just this colossal combination of stupidity and and, and, uh, sack, you know what I mean? But taking a gun, robbing a bank, whatever you want to say about that, I guess that takes, I guess, maybe a little bit of guts in some weird way. But then to do all that work and planning, which you assume they planned it out, and then how in the name, I guess we should be glad for this self-defeating stupidity, but how... Don't you wish you could have been in the room when they were planning out the bank robbery, and then we'll get on the max? Yeah. I mean, really, honestly, would you have it not? And I'm not trying to give thieves ideas, but if you're going to rob a bank, don't you think that maybe beforehand you'd steal a car? I mean, you're already stealing. You're already going into a bank and stealing. Why don't you just steal a car right beforehand? I mean, maybe just a little bit of thinking before they do this. I think watching all these television and movies about how you know crafty all these guys are is elevating the popular you know consciousness of what bank robbery and jewel thieving is really all. They about. all think that they're going to be uh, Bill Murray in Quick Change, you know? Yeah, no, and they're basically making up the plan as they walk in the door. Yes, you know, morons. Sort of. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, hey, Rick. It's Chris. How's it going? Uh, what's up, sir? Good day, man. Good day in the news. Hey, um, I was just calling about that bank robbery thing, too, but the guy beat me, too, and I heard it on the other station that it was uh, the Sterling Savings Bank there on uh, Andy and what was the other street? On 47th. Right. Right. Got I... robbed. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, okay. So I guess I guess those guys have been. I guess they've they've sort of solved their own problem. I believe the police have those guys now. So, but uh, yeah. apparently I eighty, but I eighty four is still all closed down and everything, and the exit is still. Uh, so that's going to be fun because God only knows when they're going to open that again. So, oh, so that's yeah, going to be a lot of fun later. Yeah. All right. Thank you, my friend. Hey, can you put me on hold and talk to Scotty? Sure. Why not? You're on hold. <laughs> Scotty, talk to whoever that is. All right. All right, uh, and let's see. Okay, well, I guess that's that's kind of it. Let's see here. I'm reading. Uh, let me just read this one more here about this robbery. Um, <laughs> listen to this, Rick. As you have heard, the suspect robbed a bank and jumped on the max. Genius. From reports I was able to gather, rather than a die pack, they gave him a GPS tracking device. In the money, of course. Here's uh, here's the money. Does this have a tracking device in it? No, of course not. Moron. Okay, great. He apparently tried to hijack them. Who? I'm not going to yell about this. Who, who, Why not? That would be the first. Who hijacks the Max, and where do you think you're going to take it? I mean, 
you do understand, I'm speaking now to morons who may be weighing this kind of thing, you do understand that the max is on, what are those things called? Railroad tracks, and you can't just, like, turn it and, like, take it down a side street, right? You know, it's not a bus or, or anything. It, you, you, you know, it's fastened to the ground and all. And, you know, this isn't, an, this isn't a, a tough guys with Burt Lancaster. You, you, the max doesn't go to Mexico. Okay. All right. Yeah, this guy points out they could have just come stolen my truck. I mean, really, honestly, you can steal my truck by the bread knife. Why? All right. Fine. Fine. Uh, well, then we wouldn't have this amusing story to tell. I about. suppose. And Scotty is saying, and here, I don't even know if this is true. Scotty is saying on the screen about that commercial that aluminum isn't a metal, it's an alloy. I don't even know if that's true. I thought the alloy were those creatures. Scotty's that, saying that? Yeah. He's saying aluminum is not an alloy, BTW. It's, uh, it's, or it is an alloy. It's not a metal. You know what? I bet that's exactly why that guy went on hold so he could tell Scotty that so Scotty could sound smart. Maybe. If it's right. An alloy. I think the alloy were those things that lived above ground in the time machine. Um, I was going to do the uh, Office Confidential, but we'll probably have to wait. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley. We'll be at the bottom of the hour from the Ministry of Truth, and we'll try to get to this top five. It's also high uh, high concept Thursdays. So we'll flip a coin. We'll do one of those things, either the top five or the high concept, uh, and so forth. All right, here's the backbeat band. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Don't forget uh, joining us tomorrow in studio, Scott Daly from FilmPeopleRadio.com and Nicole Arcade. We're going to uh, perform a few things in studio for us. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's go to Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So all of a sudden, we have all kinds of activity going on here. Uh, first of all, we have the story of the bicyclist killed just a little while ago in a crash with a cement truck in Southwest. This happened in Southwest 14th and Burnside. The cyclist collided with a cement truck trying to make a right-hand turn. We do know the victim is a female. We don't know her age or identity. And is this the truck that was trying to turn? We don't know that. Okay. We don't know that. All right. Uh, the other thing is, you know, everybody called a panic-stricken about uh, Max Train being stopped and all the cops and the FBI hopping aboard thinking that this is part of some terror drill. Actually, it was just trying to catch a bank robber. Plain old stupidity. A, a guy robs a bank at Sterling Savings Bank. This happened a few minutes ago, too. Sterling Savings Bank, 4728 Northeast Sandy. Hops aboard the Max, thinking he's going to get away. Of course he didn't. Uh, they caught up with him at the Max stop near the Lloyd Center and arrested him, and, and I guess it terrified everybody else aboard. Not that you wouldn't be terrified well, no. riding the Max any other day. I mean, you really should be inured to it, I suppose. There, you ought to have some sort of emotional Kevlar. Uh, if you've been riding the Max every day, you'll just sort of get sort of calloused to the whole thing. So Sarah's missing by not riding the Max. Sarah has never taken the Max in her life. 
Oh, it's fun. You know, it's an interesting slice of Americana, Sarah. You really yeah. do have to take it. At I've taken many a subway and train and everything. Oh, the Max is a whole separate experience, though. The Max is, I think, like taking... Did you ever watch that MGM movie from the 30s called Freaks? <laughs> <laughs> you see, right next to the Two-Faced Boy and the Turtle Lad and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing, really. All right. And uh, one more story here. Three New Jersey lawmakers are targeting a sugar retreat that they say could be a way for the terrorists to do a lot of damage to us. Uh, Alderman Frank Poulos, Jack Delaney, and Michael Piccolillo say gumballs pose a threat and could easily be poisoned. The trio has gotten the approval of the mayor of Dover, New Jersey, to inspect all of Dover's coin-operated gumball and candy machines. They're in the midst of a nine-month investigation, and lawmakers say so far... They've already discovered more than 100 unlicensed coin-operated gumball and candy machines around town that could be used by the terrorists. So uh, it poses a security threat to New Jersey, apparently. Tax dollars. Uh, Police Chief Butch Valentine is uh, skeptical of the investigation. Butch Valentine. Don't mess with Chief Butch Valentine. Seriously, that is simultaneously like the prettiest and manliest name I've ever heard. Mm Butch Valentine. That's a great name. If I was going to become a master criminal, I think I might adopt that name. Well, you know, his uh, his birth name is Harold. Oh. <laughs> well, never mind. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Jesse Red Hot Pistol. What's up, sir? Hey, uh, Nickel Arcade, uh, the guy was Pete Peter, isn't that his name? Yes, on it is. Phone? Yeah. Think that street cred wasn't a thing because they're skinny or whatever. Tell them if they need like a bodyguard band, we'll put the beat down for them. <laughs> okay, so you can you can be the you can be the you can be the street to their cred or the the whatever. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll whoop anybody that needs whooping. Excellent, thank you, sir. Uh, so I called about the bank robbery. Thing. Yes. That could be um, the passing the note to rob a bank is actually a pretty it works pretty well. You only get what's in that teller's till. Now, let's let's say, first of all, that we are not trying to give people instructions on how to rob a bank. Although, clearly, bank robbers are so stupid, they wouldn't take... Even if we gave them advice, they would probably just disregard it. I mean... Yeah, they don't have radios. I mean, really, a train. And I just made this point five minutes ago, but it bears... The, the, you can't turn... You can't just drive it wherever you go. It's attached to the ground, and it's got to follow the tracks. Where is it? Did they think that they were going to somehow be able to take the train to Brazil or to Canada? Well, they got caught because of the GPS thing where they messed up is the bottom stack or the bottom of the stack in each of the, the bills uh-huh. that has the tracker in it. So you tell the teller not to take off the bottom. Well, and also, thanks thanks for that. Oh, attention, attention, thieves. And also, by the way, don't take the max. Yeah. I mean, really... It is quite simply as easy as going out and looking and looking in a straight line down the street to see where they might have gone to. Yeah, you know, if they were smart, they'd have jetpacks. That's what I'd use. Really, honestly, you would think that you would. Where is the? Where have the the creative criminals of our era gone, sir? They've all vanished. Hey, by the way, um, I know that it, you guys kind of got short shrift because I had played that song of yours, which was fantastic, uh, and then I and I failed to post the MySpace link because I'm a bastard. Uh, what is the link to your guys' MySpace page? It's just uh, uh, myspace.com slash redhotpistol. Red Hot Pistol, all one word. That song you guys did, was it called Lucy Lucy? Is that what it's called? That's it. That's it, it, It's unbelievably good. So everybody should go out there got, and listen to that. we got a few more that we're going to put up there, in the, I think, in the next month. Cool. If we get them back in the studio. But yeah. you're going to have to come out and check out a show sometime. Well, keep me in the loop, as they say. Cool. All right. Thank you, sir. There you go. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Um, well, we should probably do this top five, because otherwise, because Scotty did it, because it doesn't suck. And by the way... Uh, hold on, we can just uh, without. Let, no, that's not. Your computer's turned way down. It's just as well because it was the wrong sound effect. Hold on, let me. Uh, we can now. Turn it all the heck. The, no, there we go. Daddy Jay. 
wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> Is this the same one that... Oh, I have two copies. Oh, did I already give you that? I'm yeah, sorry, that's my fault. Oh, yeah. Please forgive me. You're forgetting. Why, hello, Scotty J. Well, good afternoon, Neskowin. Okay. Okay, you yucker. Why don't you go get the top 40 job? <laughs> oh, damn. Whoa, he is. Tim, enough. Enough of those drugs. <laughs> hugs, wow. hugs, not drugs, Tim. That's right, Tim. Jesus. I'm sorry, Scotty. <laughs> I don't even think I'm, that's the wrong thing. Oh, I know it's the drugs talking to me. I'm fine. It's not really Tim. It's not really it's Tim. It's the shell of Tim with the drugs. Who are you? What have you done with Tim? You're not the Tim I used to know. It's hard for me to swallow, but I know it's just the drugs talking. Jesus. So. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Scotty, you have put together this. Now, i got to say right now, this list doesn't suck. I'm going to take a guess at which one you hate, though. I'm not going to say it. It has I... no, no, no. It's not about me hating any of these. Uh, it's that there is an omission on this that's going to get you lynched. Want to know something? I can think of 50 rain songs. Okay. But you, but the, the, okay, the, the, the one you have left off here is so egregious. Is it, is it one that I would think that it would be? It's, is it the one? It's the first song I thought of. Oh, I know, but you know what? No, it's not that one. Oh, my God, that one's not on here Are you either. kidding? Are you kidding me? That's not the one I thought of. I, I thought How of. did you not think of that? Okay, I know well, which because one you thought the, of first, The topic itself the will leave everyone very disappointed. Five, because because four, I was just three, thinking of this one. Two, one oh, yeah. Five, What's it got to do when you got such, or, so many good ones? Oh, yeah, that one, too. I can't believe you left that other one that she mentioned. She just mouthed yeah, something at me. Sarah and I really island. and I have Sarah and I have become massive, massively talented lip readers. That really is true. <laughs> We've had to. Yeah, these are the top five rain songs. Now here's the thing. The one that I have written down, your emission. I know here. it. Look at that. Tim, he didn't put yeah, this one on. I there. knew that. I knew that. Now this that's the one you're gonna be killed for. I had to because I replaced it with this one. The one that Sarah just mentioned, you're gonna get the, you're gonna get beaten down over that one too. We should preemptively take a call here and see if somebody has mentioned which which uh, somebody knows which rain song Scotty has left off the list. But I won't be that cruel. Plus, it would, we couldn't do it without giving away the rest of the list. All right, these are Scotty J's top five rain songs. Tim Riley. Oh, am I involved here? You have to read it. You have to. You, we're all <laughs> suffering together here. All righty. You think you can read it without insulting? <laughs> <laughs> With honorable mention, going to Millie Vanilli, it's called Blame It on the Rain, Scotty J. I honestly don't know how I feel about this, so uh, we'll just... Uh... Okay, you got to pretend you're on an island, and these are the songs I'd take with me. Okay, okay first of all, i got to pretend that the song actually plays, which oh, is not, Scotty. Please don't tell me. It's I'm hitting forward. play, and behold, they how are, nothing's happening. There are waves, but I guess it should play either it's way. It's not right? a wave. It's not, oh. a, not a wave, by the way. Yeah, this is 2K in size. Yeah, this song is 2K. You realize that's like actually non. You know okay. what? What's going on? Let's, let's all hum. Let's all hum. Blame it on the rain, not to ourselves. <laughs> Darn it! My editing software hasn't been doing me justice lately. Gonna make it through the chorus. Can you find it, Sarah, on the thing by chance? No, that we're wasn't done. my responsibility, Scotty. We're done. Uh, she wasn't really the one who was supposed to assemble this, was, was she, Scotty? No. So, number six, I'm honorable sorry. mention, Millie Vanilli, Blame It on the Rain. All right, uh, Tim, we'll do number five. And at number five, it's Garbage. I'm only happy with it. I like the song Good a lot. Song. i got to say, I dig this. See, and it, did, did, did it start right in the beginning like that? Or did no, you no, that? I did okay. that. I advanced it. I was really freaking out there for a second. Yeah. Yeah, the other file was 2K. That's not even big enough to have, like, a text file of the song's name. I don't get it because it's been happening with podcasts, too. Maybe I'll, you should I'll use edit a Mac. something, and then... There you go. Uh-huh. Get yourself an iBook. It won't happen anymore. 
This is a great song. Uh, Garbage is sort of like King of the Hill, you know, sort of a, kind of a generic band. You don't really think about them a lot, but then you hear a song by Garbage, you go, God, what a great band. They do have great little glossy sort of electrified pop songs. Where are they now, though? Uh, they broke up, I think, and they put out a greatest hits record. Isn't she doing something like Shirley Manson? Isn't she doing some stuff on her own? I don't know, maybe. Is she she's really babies? the only reason anybody cares about the group. Butch Vig is kind of the guy who created their sound, but she's the reason people care because she's hot as balls. Counting down the uh, top five Rain songs of all time. Oh, by the way, let me just say, they also do that stupid girl song, which is really mm-hmm. stupid. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, counting down the top five Rain songs. Number four, Peter Gabriel and Red Rain. This is really a beautiful song. It is. I got to say, Red Rain is a fantastic song. I sped it up. I regret that I've never seen Peter Gabriel live. Oh, that'd be awesome. I have the same comment about Genesis in general. And it'd be nice if uh, uh, Peter Gabriel and uh, Phil Collins together at last. Yeah, again. exactly. I, I don't really care for the stuff he did with Genesis, but there's actually a great concert video of Peter Gabriel. I think it's Secret World Live. It's just one of the most amazing stage setups. He does this because he's really like Mr. Multimedia. If you see the Secret World Live DVD of, of Peter Gabriel in concert, he does the most amazing trick at the end of the show. His stage is in the round. In other words, you can see him on all sides. There's no curtain. There's no backstage. It's a circular stage in the middle of the crowd. He does this bit where he comes out on stage to sing the final song, which I think is big time, and he sets a suitcase. He brings it out with him, sets a suitcase down on the stage, and lays it on its side. And then one by one, all the musicians in the band walk over to the suitcase. He lifts it up, and all the musicians, one by one, climb into the suitcase and vanish inside the suitcase. And as they vanish, their instrument stops playing. And then at the end, he's the last one left on stage. And he closes the suitcase, picks it up, lifts it up off the ground, and walks away. And you have no idea how he did it. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's just a, a fantastic stage show. So, all right, there you go. Peter, I love Peter Gabriel. I really do. Counting down the top five rain songs of all time. Number three, Guns N' Roses with November Rain. Now, you see, I had a lot of choices here, but I can't omit Guns N' Roses. It's a classic. It's a modern classic. It really is. I mean, we're totally missing uh terrible video. Great song. We're totally missing I Love a Rainy Night by Eddie Rabbit here on the number three song. Yes. You, I wouldn't say we're missing it, Scotty. Oh, purple rain. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about this song is there was never a radio edit of this. This song is almost eight minutes long, and everybody just played it all the way through. They still do. I'm pretty sure KUFO doesn't edit this at all. It's a great song. It's a, it's a really a truly beautiful song. You know, he wrote this before Guns N' Roses was even formed. Uh, he wrote this, uh, I think, on his piano in um, in Indiana. Just when he was, you know, just at home with some repressed Christian boy. And he said he just wrote this in his bedroom. And I think he wrote this, he said, when he was, he was going through this phase where he listened to all this Elton John. And he's such a huge, and he's such an Elton John fanatic. Uh, and he, this was his attempt to write an Elton John, uh, 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 what is it, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboys at the record. Um, but this was his attempt uh, to write an Elton John anthem. It's a great song. Counting down the top five rain songs. And number two, The Blind Melon with No Rain. Oh, here we are again. There's another oh, no. another two Come another two K song. They totally worked so great for that's me. That's a rain. Yeah. Oh, no rain. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? I just don't get it. There is no no rain. <laughs> 
Well, let's be honest. I don't need to play it. You all know it. Uh, I will say that I don't like anything else that band ever did. And I tried. I really did. Because I like everybody else, I heard the No Rain single, and I... Even before I saw the fat little bee girl, uh, I liked the song, and then I listened to the rest of the album. And boy, it was just crap. And did, so was their follow-up. And now he's dead. Something, uh, uh, the galaxy or something, or is it? No, that's uh, uh, space hog. Sorry, galaxy. Right? I'm thinking to myself out loud. It was not yeah, blind. None of your space hogs. None galaxy, of your words. Right? None of your words can be strung together into a sentence. For a minute, Blind Melon did galaxy, but no, no space no. hogs did. That. Anyway, uh, my friend Todd used to say that even the worst band has one good song, and Blind Melon was really emblematic of that whole thing because everything they did was crap. So, all right, come down to the top five rain songs now. Before we do played. this, let's see. Let's see what these callers have to say before we unveil number well, one. No. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Good afternoon. Hi. I was gonna say. Kudos to Scotty there. That was brilliant to have the tape malfunction for Millie Vanilli. <laughs> oh, yeah, it seemed like a little out. bit of but comedy. Then, yes. but, then the blind, but then when it malfunctioned no. for Blind Melon, I figured, no, it's not. There's Scotty. only one thing malfunctioning in this room, sir. Uh, what do you think ought to be number one? No, got nothing. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, I got a dumb question. Yeah. Okay, you guys all said let's hum the Millie Vanilli song. Yeah. And you guys all whistled. <laughs> oh, really? I'm sorry, sir. We're losing your call. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I just called because yesterday I was very disappointed because it was a 70s ride yeah. theme. And so when I first heard it, I thought he meant that um, if you were at a carnival in the 1970s, uh, you know how really bad and tacky those rides are? I thought it was going to be like all the really bad, bad music they play on. That there. was the original thought with, oh, was the, it really? with the spinning wheels and the ride. It the was not. Pony. You're retrofitting. Yeah. Riding right. the painted pony was no. having to right. use roller coasters. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank Bye you. now. All right. All right. Okay. Let's unveil it. Let's unveil the number one. And don't get me wrong. I dig this song. I really do. No but the place. number one rain song of all time, according to Scotty J. Tim Riley. Ozzy Osbourne with Black Rain. Now, no by the way, Chris? this is not my number one song. No, I, just, I, I, you tried did to, this. I tried to kiss up to you, Rick. You, I'll be no. tried to... Hello, Purple I, Rain. Like I don't even like rain? this song. I hate this song. Purple Rain. Or oh, even you should see the list I had. I'm telling you, there was 20 to 50 rain songs. Rick, I know you love this song, but can I play the other, like one that he completely looked over? Okay, I'm just saying Rain by the Beatles. Okay, Hello? raindrops keep falling on my head. Whatever. All right, go ahead, Sarah. You just. Oh. <laughs> In your face! I can't believe you! You're dead to me! That's funny. Leave now. Back after this, Some the Rick Emerson Show. And others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. A baby born will die before the sin. Chocolate rain. The school books say it can't be here again. Chocolate rain. Scotty J. His jokes barely register as lame. Scotty J. Buys his underwear used on eBay. Scotty J. Likes the strippers upstairs at Dante's. Scotty J. Screens the calls and makes Rick go insane. Scotty J. Pillow wall keeps him from getting laid. Scotty J. Can't be funny, but he tries it anyway. Scotty J. 
Drinks Crown Royal every night and they Scott J. Answers phones for very little pay Scott J. Comes into work hungover every day Scott J. No one's quite sure what he does all day, Scotty J. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. His assless chaps and dances in the rain, Scotty J. <laughs> I forgot about that line. Likes to drink his juice with Tanqueray, Scotty J. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting sure day. What goes on inside his brain, The final segment of the uh, Rick Emerson uh, show. Tomorrow, Nickel Arcade in studio and Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Uh, speaking of Scotty, Rick. Scotty is a metal. Uh, I'm sorry, Scotty's a metal. Uh, Scotty should know that aluminum is a metal, as can be seen on the periodic table. On the other hand, should his kids want to know how to build up a tolerance to a 2.0 blood alcohol level, we know who will be there to help them. It's amazing he's not married to Britney Spears. Uh, and finally, Rick, thinking of Tazon Day makes me marvel at the collective lack of attention span we all now have as a culture. Seriously, we all cared about that guy for like a day and a half, and then we just dumped him off the side of the pop culture road as we sped away. Totally. But he made the most out of his 15 minutes. It's true. No, it really is true. I mean, he he made it last. It, that's, I mean, he really did pack like 35 minutes of fame into that 15. Rain. The bell blames the baby's I can't listen to it anymore. I can't do it. No. Just can't do it. No. Uh, how, long, how long do we have here? Two. Two minutes? Uh-huh. Oh, excellent. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Hey, uh, man, I, I can't do it. I've got so many things all at once that just popped into my head, I want to say, but I'll make them quick. Um, first of all, when I turned down the radio to call, I, I lost about 10 seconds, and I heard just the tail end of the last caller, and he may have covered one of the things. What was he saying when uh, when I caught the last, like, five seconds of him? Uh, I'm so lost. Which caller? The last caller. What did I miss? Um, was it about uh, uh, Blind Melon? Yes, sure. Galaxy? Yeah. So did he say that Blind Melon did do Galaxy? Is no. that what I missed? No. Yes. 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 No, yes. <laughs> yeah, that is what you missed, sir. Yeah, I'm not sure what his descri- – I thought I heard him describing it, but it's about, uh, you know, Shannon. Shannon's uh, – apparently his, his vehicle was a Galaxy, and he was a, just loved it. And part of becoming really famous and successful, um, he, you know, exposed him to all the execs that had – you know, all the money, and he was just not about that. And he, so basically it was a, a love song to his galaxy. Excellent. Anyway, all right. a couple more things. The other, you guys missed absolutely the, the quintessential ballad when it comes to a what is song it? with rain in the title. And it's loved. This is why I can't believe no one got it. It's loved by 70-year-olds all the way down what? to Okay, spit it out. What is it? Rain and Blood. Oh, by Slayer. All right, excellent. Yeah. And Tori, Tori Amos did a great version of that, by the way. I, just, I can't say that I've heard that. No, it's pretty interesting. All right. One last thing, Rick. Yeah, quickly. You mentioned that, uh, you mentioned that, and I've heard you say it before, that you, uh, you know, you don't like uh, uh, anything that, um, not Shannon Hoon, but the band Blind Melon did. But yeah. i got to tell you, I didn't really like the first album either. Obviously, nobody can stand uh, the, the I planned on getting through like nine calls here. Yeah? Check this out. I'll make it real quick. Okay, um, you've got to because we have like less than a minute left. The last, do, do you really need to talk about it? I may say this. Yes, it's really important. Shannon deserves this. The last album, Suit, for Shannon. I bought it, listened to it two or three times, didn't listen to it again for at least three years, and then... <laughs> I just saw Sarah jabbing at something, and then he was no more. Bye now.
We want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Rachel McGrath, and uh, uh, Lisa Desjardins, who joined us today. Tomorrow, Nickel Arcade performs live in studio. Will they sing the Sarah Dillon birthday song? You'll have to join us to find out. Uh, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day with all the talented Sarah X. Dylan, Tim Riley, Scotty J. Dave Zinn. Like us next. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. Sneak away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no. I like children.